Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Damn It Vince. Uh, really looking forward to tonight's one. I am Ellis. Uh, thanks for coming back and listening. Here with my co-host Joe. How are you? Hello. Very tired as always. Friday. I had my Friday nap. Were you watching that company that Butcher sent you? No, I was wrestling watching, pro wrestling. I was, was watching uh, Wednesday's <laughs> NXT because I've not had chance yet so far. And yeah, that, and well, we'll save that for a bit later. But that's certainly some stuff, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll come on to that one on the show reviews. And uh, we've got uh, John, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Been a good week at work for one, so I'm actually here. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) They only stop you appearing with late night additions to your work schedule. Yeah, so good to have you here. And really pleased to say we've got a special first time we've ever had a guest on, I think, actually. So, um, Phil, uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Let us know who you are, what you do. Quite a uh, honor. I am the first guest. You are. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, Phil Lindsay here, uh, writer for uh, Daily DDT and uh, Bleacher Report. So, and you is it Chicago? You're based in. Yep, out of Chicago. Yeah, uh, to do the uh, time differences to make sure I was saying the correct time for you. <laughs> looking at the time differences. So, thank you for joining us today. So, as usual, we're doing our, our show reviews, and then our topic uh, this week is looking at uh, representation in wrestling as a whole, uh, which is, I think, a really important topic and one that I'm looking forward to having a discussion on. Show reviews and sh- let's kick off with Revolution. That was the that was the big one from the weekend just gone. I'm assuming we've all watched. Yes. Well, yep. I watched it live with you too, so I'm assuming. <laughs> I know you've watched it. <laughs> you watched it, Phil. <laughs> I did. It was a, uh, it was an explosive show. <laughs> Sparkling show. <laughs> it was, yeah. Uh, it was disappointing that because I, I mean they've done the best they can do with it to try and save it with Eddie Kingston saying like this is what happened then like Don Callis and the, the stuff but uh, apparently it, it it was a botch something didn't go off right and it just like like a sort of kiss tribute act didn't it really <laughs> <laughs> and it's a shame because it ruined what was otherwise a fairly solid pay per view. Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it other than that. But you're right, when people talk about this, they're going to just That's remember. all they're going to remember is, oh, you mean that one where, like, yeah, someone said, yeah, oh, three party poppers. Yeah, that one. And, and I thought it was potentially some pretty epic storytelling having Eddie come out there. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I, I really liked the main event. Other than that, I thought it was a good match. Uh, I thought all the storytelling stuff was great. Uh, boy, but that, uh, the, the, the pyro was just, oof, it was crap. It was total <laughs> it crap. Was, yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, at one point I was just laughing at it so hard that I couldn't even get mad at the fact that it was disappointing because it was just so funny. It was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? what is going it on was, right At now? the time, I was like, is this, is this on purpose? Is this deliberately rubbish? <laughs> well, we were watching it on that stream and I was like 10 seconds in front of you guys yeah, somehow. Yeah, you and, were. I, and I was just like, sort of, I had this face. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very difficult. And then <laughs> Everyone sort of caught up to me. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, that yeah. ending detracts from what was otherwise a, a brilliant match. Well, the only, not even not even a kick out of Wally Gaines, but it's still a protected move. But That was inventive. I enjoyed that. that. It's a good way of getting him to do it without making it weak. It's, yeah. it, it was a good wrestling match as well, because I sort of thought some of the other death matches I've seen, they were just spending the entire time trying to push each other into the ropes, and it's not actually very interesting. Well, this was a good match, as well as having... The deathmatch gimmick. You don't like explosion. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just such a it's such a silly gimmick in the first place that you know exploding death you know barbed wire deathmatch. So it's kind of like you either buy in or you don't. And 
Like I was ready to just buy into this thing to be as ludicrous as possible, but boy, that that ending, man! It just... <laughs> I, I think it didn't help, like because we when we were watching it, we were all like, "Well, they're going to do the full thirty, and it's going to explode with them in the ring." And the fact that it didn't, and you literally had like this whole five minute build up. Like the anticipation was building beyond what even we probably expected. Oh yeah, they did a really and then good Eddie job comes out. of ramping it up, and you were like, "Oh, oh man, huge job. Eddie's going to save him. Uh, he's going to save him from being exploded." And then it was like indoor. Fi- it was like indoor fireworks. It was like them snakes you used to get. Like, yeah, yeah it- I'm, I'm a science teacher. I do worse than that in my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Oof, this was. I mean, and I thought the pay per view as a whole was pretty good. Yeah. Um, there yeah. weren't many bad matches on this card. Um, I didn't understand why the Miro tag match needed to be there. That felt like yeah. a TV match. We said that it just took up time. It didn't need to be on. It made Miro come across like an absolute monster, which yeah. is what he it, needs. It was a dynamite match. But, yeah, yeah, you could yeah. threw that on dynamite for sure. Um, but other than that, I thought it was a pretty good good card. There weren't, you know, I had low expectations for the Sting match. Really enjoyed that match. Uh, yeah. yeah, having rewatched it, they need to release it with no commentary on it. The commentary really, yeah. the real commentary it, it, really the commentary. ruins it. Because there's there's music. Yeah. It's like musical stings. Not <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> underneath. Um, and it just works as like a essentially a piece of cinema. Yeah, I I liked it. Uh, I, I I've loved. I've watched it a couple of times, but I've just turned the sound off. I don't need Jim Ross not understanding what's going on. <laughs> Poor Jim. Oh, he was I, dying yeah. on the show, wasn't he? <laughs> he yeah. was like really ill. Yeah, I think they have yeah, to like, it sounded like it. Give him some Red yeah. Bull halfway through because in a lens it. Yeah. It was a good way to use Sting. Like that that presentation is <laughs> a really good way to use him. Yeah. I, well, I, I believe I said when they first announced it, I bet they used a stuntman for some of it, and lo and behold, they did. Really, I didn't. I didn't notice this um, when when, he's, did. when Ricky Starks got him up and he rolls for he sort of um, does he sunset flip him? Does the sunset flip? Yeah, yeah. it's clearly yeah. not Sting. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you just see I mean, you see it from the side sort of thing, and it's 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 well done, but you can tell it's clearly. You like you see a stunt worker, and it's just clearly a bloke in a wig. Yeah, it's very yeah. much that. <laughs> it was full AM at that point. I wasn't noticing. Yeah, any details. I was very yeah. bleary eyed at that point. Yeah. But no, it's cracking. Yeah. I said it. Nobody came out of that looking bad. No, no, for sure. I mean, the, you know, the kind of the breakout star of this match was Hook. Because, I mean, geez, this, that kid is that kid's going to be great when he eventually wrestles, man. His suplexes are exactly like his dad's. It's just so yeah. smooth. It's unbelievable. I'm excited. To see it. It's like Brian Cage can only be killed by throwing a person three stories off a building onto him. That's Oh, my God. The, the standing suplex he did walking up the stairs was <laughs> phenomenal. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just full of ludicrous moments. Darby Allen being thrown through a glass window. You know, it was, yeah. I wonder, I wonder how many times Sting took to catch that bat that was thrown down. But he <laughs> <laughs> literally just yeah. not even looking, just snipes it out of the air. But, yeah, it was cracking. It was... And I think it was um, directed by Darby Allen as well. Really? He, did, he, did ni- oh, okay. he said he did 90% of it all. I'm assuming like, he really? did. I didn't know that. Well, he, he wanted to be a filmmaker, didn't he? But he dropped out of film school, apparently. But he does all his yeah. own promos. That's why they all have that sort of similar look to them. And well, um, But yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, the, even the, the, the uh, buy-in, everyone was genuinely yeah. excited for the, the mystery mystery entrance. <laughs> Biggest pop of the night for me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's that. Yeah. It's silly. I... Yeah, I mean, there was some talk when Maki lost in the first round that they didn't take advantage of her, uh, you know, star power. But I think this kind of proved them wrong. They 
you know, getting her on a pay-per-view and then getting her on Dynamite this week was a great idea. Because, I mean, clearly she was, like, one of the hottest uh, wrestlers coming out of tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. And she was on a BT as well. I know you popped very hard for that, didn't you, Joe? That was great. I mean, the Dark Order bits are the highlight of the year anyway. But adding her in now uh, as a replacement Anna, yeah, why not? It's great. And when, when Anna comes back, they can have a bit of a fight. Well, good. She's just had a system out of surgery today. Yeah, she has. Yeah. yeah. So, Did I rewrite that we're getting Maki Ito versus Riho on the first episode of Elevate? Yes. yes. Yeah, as wow. the main event, I think, as well. Mm. So you've got, I've, I've been a big one recent weeks about getting the women in the main event slot and that, and deservedly so. And I think Dynamite has also got main event yeah, first we, time. Thunder Rosa. Yeah. Unsanctioned match. So. Oh, does it? That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. I think yeah, I mean, they announced it, I think. Everyone's Dynamite. slightly dinged up from previous weeks, but it yeah. was great. I said, as a, as a pay-per-view, I, was, I got my 20 quid out of it. Yeah. yeah. If I go, I, go, go to each of you then and I'll say, what was your match of the night? And why? So I'll go start with you, Phil. What was your match of the night from the pay per view? I actually think Sheeta versus Rio was my favorite match of the night. Um, I thought it hit all of the right beats. I thought this is the best uh, character wise Sheeta has looked as champion. Um, and I just thought Rio was a great challenger. I think the story of, you know, Sheeta had never beat her before this um, was interesting. And the, the countdown uh, vignette they showed before was really good. Uh, I, I think they've turned a, a corner with their women's division in a lot of ways. Um, they still got some ways to go, but I think this was a good start. Yeah, it's yeah. Something, something they can build on. Is what they've been a long while now. They, I think yeah. it's I don't know maybe people coming back. Travel bans have been lifted up. They can actually get people who are really struggling. Yeah, I I agree with that as my match of the night as well. In that one, I think especially from a, a wrestling standpoint, I thought it was superb as a match really. And Excalibur deserves a lot of credit for filling in the casuals in terms of what the story is about story is because you know not everyone will have necessarily watch the youtube shows they will just watch the dynamite and he i think he did a great job of uh, filling them in so yeah I, that was my match tonight as well uh john what was yours uh i'll go for the, the tag team championship match. i really enjoyed it cracking start tonight um there were moments where i was convinced young bucks were going to win but there were still moments where i was like oh wait no <laughs> a joke question i'm gonna do it um yeah i really enjoyed it there were a couple of very, very close, close calls in that. It was, yeah, some slightly sketchy three and a half minutes of MJF crotch chopping, which <laughs> get up, Jericho, get up, get in place. You've got to come in and do this code breaker now. Yeah, yeah and you, and you, Joe, what was your match of the night? Uh, I'm going to go with the tag team battle royale because it was just a big old ludicrous pile of nonsense, wasn't it? But it was really good. I got to see Bear Country, which always makes me happy. Uh, and then I got to see uh, the butcher lift both of them out of the ring. I got to see a man being pile-driven onto another man. Not once, but twice. I mean, what's not to love there? Got to see John Silver acting like a tiny lunatic. <laughs> Jungle Boy coming across. John loves Dark Order and John Silver, just so you know, <laughs> Phil. It's normally his highlight of the week. Um, anything to do with the Dark Order. <laughs> yeah, trying to uh, restrain myself a bit. You had but... six of them in there and they couldn't, they couldn't get a win. Uh, we even got like cutie marshall doing something exciting uh, and, yeah, fur- yeah. and furthering a story along yeah. it was yeah and now we've got um pack and phoenix against the young bucks which i'm all for to be honest yeah uh, patron saint yeah. of the podcast pack uh yeah yeah and, and phoenix but, i'm genuinely hoping phoenix one day managed to land in the stands just from his dive because <laughs> he's getting there <laughs> isn't day. each day each time he's doing it he's getting a little bit further so it's yeah it's great i, I genuinely thought this is because i was I, 
think I was concerned in the previous week. I said, I hope it's not all of them piling in the ring at once. And what we essentially got was a Royal Rumble, but a tag team Royal yeah. Rumble, yep. which is even better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we love tag teams. It is interesting when it's packing Phoenix of Death Triangle being the, the tag team. Well, they're pushing Penta as a, yep. as, a, as a solo against Cody now, aren't they? Yeah, it should be very good. Yeah, <laughs> I particularly enjoyed him just like chatting shit. Luchadors in suits is a is a fierce look as well. I will say. It's, it's... Oh man, just just thinking about that, man. Come on, man. Get get La Sombra in a suit. Get that mask <laughs> back on him. Come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> it's yeah. Um... It was Obi Wan. <laughs> I said, I said the, the sort of worst thing about the entire night, apart from the, the fireworks thing, was the ladder match and it Cody in the ladder match. Oh man! Just so, fannying about in that tunnel. So it, 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 I don't think they realized that he's still in frame because it was on the hard cam side. So you still see Cody like trying to petition to get back in the match, and it just went on way, way too long. It detracted like, from everything else because I was going, "Is he going to do something?" And then they moved them slightly out yeah. of shot, but Arn Anderson was still stood there with his white. He, like, pop, he popped around, didn't he? His head popped around. It's like, popped, "Are we ready for this spot?" And I was waiting like, for his cue, and I'm like, "Just you've got, you must yeah. have monitors back there. Go and crowd around that." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was really distracting. Um, I I really enjoyed the Scorpio one. I, Scorpio needed a big win. Oh, uh, um, the match itself was fine. It was just that bit. It's really annoying. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, I, absolutely. Like Scorpio and most of the match itself was fine. But yeah, I definitely agree. That was very, very distracting. <laughs> that Scorpio <laughs> splash onto the ladder genuinely made me go, "Oh, that's not right." Oh man. Oh that, yeah. That power bomb he took on the ladder too. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. It was yeah, there was some crack stuff in there, but it was sort of over ruined by Cody. Just, just get out of shot. Yeah, yeah. The one thing on it, they, they overdid it so much that I remember when we were watching it, we were like, Cody's winning this. Cody's winning this. Yeah. So in that says they kind of made you conditioned yourself to think Cody's winning it. So it was a really nice surprise when Scorpio did win. Um, but yeah, it was extremely distracting. Uh, his match against uh, Darby this week, cracking. Yeah. That, the, the cutter yeah, from the dive, legs in that as well. I was like, "Yep," and there's, yeah, there's a load more. I said he was supposed to be being pushed as a as a singles anyway, wasn't he? But then he got injured. Yeah, that's why Kazarian and Daniels are single uh, tag team now because that was SCU was going to be them as a tag team, Sky as, as a singles. And I'm yeah. glad they're doing it, and I'm glad they've turned him heel because um, they need some heels in there. Yeah, did they, he challenge Jericho at one point when Jericho was champion? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that match was here actually. That match was here in Chicago. The oh, was uh, the title match. Um, yeah, I really like Scorpio. I really hope he eventually gets the push up to the world title um, scene. I think he's definitely a guy you could use in several different um, places on the card. Um, I think he's a great wrestler. Um, I think he's just better at the heel. He's funnier at the heel. Um, I think just getting him, you know, going back to, you know, trash talking people's cities when <laughs> we're back traveling again, give it to me. Just, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's Heels is always better, isn't it? Because you can just knob. They always have more fun as a yeah. heel. Everyone always says it, don't they? He, yeah, he's just so he's just so funny at it. All of the BTE stuff he was doing before <laughs> when they were heels was just hilarious. Yeah, he, was, he was kind of transitioning into it on commentary the other week, wasn't he? And he's like basically like, look at me, look at me in my hoodie. Was it? I'm not. I'm not, I'm not like imagining this. Am I? He was doing stuff on commentary the yeah, other week. Yeah, he was going on about his oversized Kanye style hoodie. Yeah. Yes. He was. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it was. It was a weird thing because I was like, oh right, is he is he turning heel now? Is, is this how he's? Oh okay, fine. It wasn't yeah. explained to me. Like, but yeah, 
I mean, uh, yeah, he acted pretty heelish when he won. The way he trash talked Cody when he threw him down, like he trash talked him for a while before he grabbed that <laughs> ring. <laughs> a literal brass ring, as well, by the way. A literal brass ring. Cody doesn't <laughs> do subtle when it comes to a big size past employees, does he? <laughs> no, no. Uh, last thing I'd say on on Revolution, um, not necessarily my match of the night, but one of my moments of the night was the Dark Order captain catching Hangman and then propelling him into the What's it called now? Bookshot Lariat. Bookshot Lariat, yeah. I, I just love that moment and the storytelling in it that Matt Hardy's there buying <laughs> buying friends, basically, and they come out because they just absolutely love <laughs> Hangman. Yeah, and they got to <laughs> share him. a beer with him and uh, he took them all for ice cream this week. Yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. wearing a lot of purple at the moment, isn't he? You know. A lot of purple. Yeah, I I love that they went back to a little blurb he had over his uh, nameplate at one point of wanting to buy a lawnmower, and he used the money to buy a lawnmower. Like, that was a great touch. <laughs> well, the Dark Order have spent the rest of his money, haven't they, on uh, whiskey. six barrels of whiskey, a load of condoms. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was very, very weird. But... It's lovely stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll transition into Dynamite off that then, because we've well, already started talking about Dynamite. So. I'm trying, yeah. trying to remember what happened in it, to be honest. Um, um, hmm. Oh, well, uh, the big the big ending, which I, I, I sort of didn't see coming, to be honest. The, uh, the, the War Council. War Council. Yeah. And to be fair, someone pointed out to me on Twitter that all this was there. Uh, a long time ago, MJF was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Sean Spears and Etr. Uh, this was six, eight months ago, maybe more. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not looking at making my own stable. I'm there, I'm here for a, a solos run. Some nice visuals in there as well, like Jericho reaching for the bat and MJF standing on his hand, and then Tully ripping the bat away. Throw, yeah, it's just nice, nice little bits, yeah. isn't it? No, I, I thought it was a good angle. Um, it it looked pretty predictable. It looked like he was just going to throw Jericho out. Um, and so to get kind of the double swerve was cool. I really liked the idea of. Uh, because I know some people would be like, why would they trust MJF after we just saw him, you know, turn on the stable that he jumped on? But I don't think it's that Tully and Sean necessarily trust him. They hate Cody and they know that MJF hates Cody. So that's why they want a team with him. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's all for a combined cause. But we get the original um, inner circle now. And I think we're finally going to get, face. we're finally going to get blood and guts. I've been saying. I I've been said say, you would say this. I've been saying it for a year. Every pod for like <laughs> a year, he goes blood and guts between this. Blood and guts. <laughs> I was. He's so hurt that COVID took blood and guts away from us last year. Really wanted to see it. The inner circle against the elite would have been amazing. But this will also be good. We got two two really strong teams. Yeah. Um, what else happened this week? I can't think. The, the, Eddie, Eddie and uh, Max promo. <laughs> yes, that was lovely. They're like like a little married couple, weren't they? Bickering. <laughs> yeah. Ed, Eddie Eddie Corps during it, didn't he? I don't know whether it was on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I, that was great. I mean, again, you know, it's a shame that the finish was so bad because if this all was to get a face turn for Eddie Kingston, that's great. You know, I think he it, it makes sense to make him a, a face. He's such a likable guy. Um, his promos are fantastic. Yeah. So. It all makes sense. Um, just didn't stick that landing, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've, they've covered it up as best they can, but... Well, I, re- I really like Eddie and Motsley's cover-up of it. Like, I could have done without Callis's, I think. Yeah, he he kind of made it a bit convoluted and ludicrous, but that they did it brilliantly. No, I was just going to say, the only thing that I really enjoyed about their segment was them redoing the countdown and rolling all over the yeah. floor. 69. <laughs> 69 me, Don. 69 me. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, it, it made them come across more heelish because it was like, we know you wanted the big explosion and we took that away from you. I was like, yeah, yeah. I like that bit. It's, it's, I was, um, probably shouldn't say this. I, I had it <laughs> on in the car as I was driving to work. So I was listening to it, <laughs> obviously not watching. Obviously not watching. I was listening and I was like, did he just say 69, man? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I had to watch that bit back. We've got Kingston, Kingston Moxley next week as well, aren't we? Yeah, so uh, first of the Good Brothers, right? Yeah, which yep. should be good. Yeah. Could you see them having taken the Impact tag titles off them? <laughs> uh, maybe not, but I definitely can see them getting a tag run. I mean, Mox was, you know, instrumental in getting Kingston there, and I think they've wanted to tag for a while, so I think we're definitely heading towards some kind of tag run. 100%. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the mocking as well of, well, you took your time to come out there for me, didn't you? <laughs> I uh, got, got to get the eyebrows right in there, right, and stuff before I come out. Yeah, it did. Yeah, no, it was a good. They did solution. the best with what they could, what they had. I think. I think they they saved it, but the damage is yeah. already done. Yeah, in yeah. some in they some did. people's eyes. Yeah, they salvaged it the best that they could. But the highlight of this show was clearly Mikey Ito coming out and continuing to sing her theme song <laughs> while the fight is going on in the ring. That was absolutely the highlight of the show. <laughs> that was my favorite part. She's, oh, the, she's the gift that keeps on giving, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> you sent before Joe the subtitle version of it. What did it say? The subtitle. Oh, version. it's um. Maki in the in the closed captions, uh, Maki Ito continues to sing her entrance music, mediocre at best. I was like, oh, I'm not asking for your opinion, <laughs> captions man. Harsh. I was there. It was all right. Uh, I'm, 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 gl- I'm glad she's there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how long she's there for, but I hope they filmed a lot of stuff with her. Yeah. Yeah, I do. She needs to work on hitting with the microphone. Yeah, the, the microphone. <laughs> The singing bit was great. It was a and bit the, soft. The and then the first, on the head. first thing, the first sort of um, bits she did were like, is stay combat bad, yeah. It, it pleased oh. me seeing the crowds, don't say that, yeah, uh, crowds had signs for her and stuff. And I was like, that yeah. sh- shows you, uh, obviously what I listened before, I've talked a lot about the women and like getting them over and giving them more time and storylines and stuff. And it's nice to see the fans clearly showing we're invested in these people. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I I said that first week when Riho came back, you could see how much the fans like her. Cause I mean, she just got cheered so loud. I think that was the loudest we've seen a woman get cheered in a while yeah. on on Dynamite. Yeah, it was. Re- well, we're glad you're back, wasn't it? We're shouting and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Because they've not had they've had a fairly stagnant women's division. It's been the same people going round and round and round. So just yeah. have an injection of new blood in there. But also, yeah, Riho's really good. Maki always oh, is good. It's just nice to have new good people back in. Let's see where they yeah. go from it. Go that, a bit from here. I had to rewatch that a couple of times. I was laughing, to be honest. He <laughs> <laughs> started with uh, Ray Phoenix pinning Matt Jackson clean. Oh yeah. Oh god, yes. Forgot about that. Yeah. That 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 shot me. That that did surprise I would, me. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I would have thought if he was going to win, they would have you know cheated a bit. But, but then when I thought about it, it kind of made was it? But, I think it was Butcher the other week, who's uh, another member of the the podcast, not here, and he um he said apparently the Lucha Brothers were pretty much singles competitors. They actually only got put as a tag team yeah. actually over the last few years. Whereas if you think of it, the Young Butts they are pretty much basically being tag teams the whole career. So in that sense, it makes sense because he is the singles competitor in terms of experience. Yeah, I, I like the storytelling of Matt tried to uh, raise Phoenix up for the Meltadrizer and he forgot he's in a singles match and that's why they <laughs> lost. That's why he lost. That that one mistake is why he lost the match. Cool. Any, anything else on Dynamite? Or... 
I I really enjoyed the Scorpio uh, Darby Allen match. I yeah. thought I think every time Darby gets the chance to wrestle and he takes a ton of punishment, but he somehow pulls out the match. He just proves how good he is in ring, and he's not just a gimmick. There was quite a lot of good sort of mat wrestling in as well. Though. There was a lot of reversals yeah. and yes. counters and stuff. It was it was better than I thought it would be. To, like I said, there was some horrible horrible stuff in there. The, the cutter through the ropes genuinely made me wince. Yeah, yeah. It, it looked probably worse than it actually was, but I mean, it's Darby in it. He's the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the spot of revolution made me wince when he got thrown through that was it a glass pane into a wall? And I was like, he don't give a shit about his body, does he? Just... <laughs> no, but <laughs> again, the fact that it, it sort of crumpled in and then fell on him, just sat there folded in, was very, very. Yeah, I'm, excited, I'm excited for that program. I'm assuming it's not finished with Scorpio Sky, no. judging by the end of it, so. Yeah, what is the next? Is it what is the next pay per view for them? Uh, double or nothing. Double or nothing. I think. Double or nothing in May, I think. Um, yeah. May. Yeah. Good. There's a lot of stuff so. we can build up now. There's a lot of new. Yeah, stuff. I mean, uh, what? So wait, that's May. This is March. My <laughs> my calendar, my brain is all over the place. March. So, yeah, so um, they've got they've got a they've got Omega on an Impact show next month. And uh, is he well, challenging Isaiah? He's, he's challenging for the title at some point, isn't he? Yeah, he's challenging the winner of uh, Moose versus Swan from this weekend. So it's belt, belt versus belt. Well, he's the belt collector, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Basically doing what Matt Hardy did. What did Matt Hardy call it when he went round? Basically winning all the tag titles with Jeff before he came back to WWE. Oh, he had a name for it, I can't remember what it was called now. Omega's basically doing that at the moment. Which I'm here for. Omega's doing that. It's great. Uh, yeah, fantastic. NXT. Just because it's freshest in my brain. <laughs> Because what? Well, it's freshest in my brain. Yeah, yeah, that's a. I've got limited notes on Raw. I'll say when we when we briefly cover Raw <laughs> NXT. Yeah, it was a it was a pack show. I, I, the tag title thing. I'm like, <laughs> I have a lot of questions. Like, part of me is like, I like the fact that Triple H has just gone like, oh fuck you, Vince. Like, you've just done nothing with these titles, and I'm just gonna make my own because the promise of what they were meant to be. And what clearly Sasha and Bailey wanted them to be with how they went, they pretty much went down to NXT straight away with them. That just hasn't materialized. But then at the same time, it's a pretty damning condemnation of the belts that are already in circulation yeah. that NXT are making their own. So I was kind of a bit split on that. Then I was like, well, you're handing the titles to them. And in one half, I was like, that makes sense because they've won the Dusty Cup. But then another part of me was like, Should, shouldn't they have a match for it? And then they lost it. And that, that blew my mind at that point. So <laughs> <laughs> that was it, was, the... it was a great match. It was a great match. But um, that was yeah, the bit that I, didn't, I didn't know me. how to take that the whole like... thing. It was a lot to process in one night. <laughs> so, it, it was... Yeah. Uh, uh, NXT doing this weird thing where they're like, we got to have title matches on on network television to entice you to watch our show and not watch the other show. And I think they understood they weren't going to do a title change with those other two title matches. So they were like, oh, well, let's just do it with these. Ma- these these are new titles. Doesn't matter. And it was like, well, okay, but you basically made us feel like those titles don't matter then because you basically hot shot them within an hour. Um, and it was like, it, it's just so much to take in because I had to go back and watch the last episode of NXT and remember why they got screwed out of the title match. So you had Adam Pierce, who was not on the show, come in and screw them out of the titles. And then you go, okay, well, we're going to write this wrong, right? So you make you made your heels look sympathetic by giving them the titles. And then they get the titles and they go, ah, we beat all of you guys anyway. Ha, 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 we're still heels. And it's like, okay, but you just gave them the titles. So 
And then you just take the titles off of them out of nowhere. It was just like, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was very, very confusing. It, yeah. the, the match was good. The, the, yeah. the actual the match, match was, for the titles was, was, was good, was but solid, the whole, yeah. but, everything around it was con- confusing. I mean, I, I, I like shots of Blackheart and Moon, but it felt yeah. very much like, and here's your reward, and give it back away. It, yeah, it, it, it should have at least let them have it for a little run. Not not yeah. literally 47 minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it legitimized the title, isn't it? I mean, I'm excited going forward, like, if they stop this nonsense. And actually, they've got so much talent in that division that they can't all be competing for the, the women's title. And credit to them, they actually have stories outside of the actual title as well. But yeah. I'm excited going forward. I just don't think it was a great springboard for... Not a good start to it. Yeah, yeah. Um Rest of the show, then the other two title matches. I also did go. I didn't know so many. Dad, like I don't recognize half of these. <laughs> when they, when they yeah, they got every. They got everyone out. They had everyone. Yeah, well, <laughs> pretty sure I saw the uh, the other two two horsewomen <laughs> were out there as well, weren't they? Wow, it was a lot. Yeah, of, yeah they had the whole roster out. That down there, I'm sure I saw Jasmine Duke stood at the back somewhere. Um, I might be wrong. Tony Storm in her Beetlejuice cosplay. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love Tony Stone. Yeah. I love, I love <laughs> her Tony entrance Stone. gives me a kick whenever her music comes on. Yoshirai's yeah. music better. Okay. Um, oh, I love you. Yeah. Again, solid match. Is anyone who's going to take it off of Yoshirai at any point? Because they've thrown everyone at her. Yeah. She's challenged Raquel next, hasn't she? In the uh, the promo backstage. and They're quite hot on Raquel. I, I really like her, as you know. Um, is she ready to take that offer? That's my know. only... I, I think it would be a cool thing to just give it to somebody that's basically homegrown. Um, I don't know if I believe they're going to give it to her. Um, I don't know. Uh, I thought the match was good, though. I thought the, the first half of it, it definitely looked like they were trying to stall to get to the t- to the commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then once they got to the commercial break and they actually like went into full gear with it, it, it uh, got a lot better. Um but yeah, I just think this thing that NXT is doing where they have to try and up the ante every week to try and get people to watch is it's just not what made NXT so interesting to begin with. Uh, it, NXT was mm-hmm. good because they built, you know, long term stories. And I think this episode was exactly, you know, direct proof of how far they strayed from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're moving, moving to Tuesday soon. So I'm hoping by doing that, that's going to course correct that. Is that is that confirmed? I don't know. I, is, I thought that was still rumor. It's not confirmed yet, but it seems that the is it after the WrestleMania weekend. Apparently, the rumors are that that Tuesday is the first one. Okay. Um, okay. But I was also reading like some people were saying it's not necessarily moving because of competition with AEW. It's because some other net. I want to say hockey. I might be wrong here, but some other network is shutting down and. That sport, let's say hockey, is moving to USA, and that happens on a Wednesday at the time that NXT would be. So they need to find a new night because the network needs them to find a new night. Not they're not moving because of AEW. Wait, that's what I've read. I don't know whether it's true or not. <laughs> You're probably it's better just, informed in that living it's there. But an excuse as any though, isn't it really? Yeah. Oh. Um... I don't know. I, I I think it would be hilarious if they're sitting there like, uh, not doing too well with this Wednesday thing. Hmm, Impact's on Tuesday. Maybe we can shut them out and get, get some of their viewers on Tuesday. Let's move to Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've, I, I've always said on it, it's it of WWE NXT is, was, is the superior of the three to me. And it really upset me that whoever it's been, so whoever was using NXT as the, the one to draw the attention away from AEW and he was kind of using them as a fodder 
because NXT was so much better than that, as you said. Like I remember getting into NXT and it was genuinely exciting. It wasn't I only got back into wrestling six years ago and NXT was like really different to me when I started watching it. And uh I've always hated the fact that it's them that get compared to AEW and that and I'm like can watch Raw, put them against Raw, you win. <laughs> the shite that comes out of there most of the time. Did, did I hear correctly uh, at Stand and Deliver? It's, it, it's, it's two separate nights, but on two separate networks. Yes. Well, well, night one's effectively NXT, isn't it? So it's on a Wednesday in the USA. Right. Uh, but the second and one's then... on Peacock. Right. Right. It's a bold strategy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they can't put it on Saturday because they've got many on Saturday. It's, um... it's, it's that hell week, isn't it, that one? You know, it's just every day there's like three three promotions doing something oh my god if, if you watch indie wrestling forget it you, there's like an indie show almost every week that week too yeah it's yep. uh it's gonna be gonna be off and i've got no more holiday <laughs> <laughs> i start a new job that week i'm screwed I'm, i was contemplating booking the monday, <laughs> the monday of mania off and then i was like is it worth it yeah that's gonna be a hell of a week um anyone watch i've only got one note from smackdown on there um the Brian. So I, I talked last week, Phil, about um, for me, they need to incorporate these promos that are happening on Talking Smack and Raw Talk because they are unscripted or semi-scripted and they're real and they're developing stories in them. And then they just seem to completely ignore them when it comes to the main show. Um, and I said that after watching Daniel Bryan's one with Paul Heyman the other week when he was like, I'm done putting other people over. He dropped the CM Punk line, which blew up the internet for a little part. And at the start of SmackDown, he basically gave that promo. And I put in my notes, good or bad. Like it, It's good because they obviously recognized how good the promo was. But then for someone who's watched Talking Smack, I was sat watching it going, I know what's coming next. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's good that they're kind of bringing them promos in? Would it be better just to show what actually happened on Talking Smack, minus the CM Punk line, obviously? Uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, on I think it's I think it's good, and I think if anybody would have done it, it's uh, Daniel Bryan, because Daniel Bryan used to be Mr. Talking Smack. He used to host Talking Smack. Um, yeah. So I think he understands more than anyone, you know, why, you know, these things need to connect. And so, you know, that's just smart on Daniel's part, and, Man, I just was sitting watching him do the promo and marveling at just how much better he is as a talker because that didn't used to be his thing. And so he's just turned into a phenomenal promo guy. And, you know, I I, I'm, I think we're all sure that Daniel Bryan's going to lose at Fastlane, but he did a fantastic job promoting this match. Yeah, for sure. Just a quick segue there because Daniel Bryan has been mentioned within our group <laughs> In the dream talk, Pete Dunn laid out the challenge that he's the best technical wrestler in the world and he, st- and he uh, challenges anyone to, to step up to him. We've been talking in the group chat. We, we would love that to be Daniel Bryan. Who, who do we actually think is going to step up to Pete Dunn to challenge? Mm. I mean, he, there are a few guys in WWE that could take that claim. I think Gulak is one of the best technical wrestlers in the world for sure. Uh, Daniel Bryan's an obvious choice. Man, if we could somehow get uh, Zack Sabre to, you know, walk in and put his finger up like, hey, I, yeah, I have a go at that, you know, I'd be all for that. <laughs> it's not an open, open challenge, though, is it? They won't do that. It's just uh, it's within with a company, sadly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If it was yeah, AEW, there'd be, be everyone showing up for that, yeah. Yeah, I think it, yeah, that, was, that was actually my only note on SmackDown. Um, I can't actually remember what else happened. We recorded on a Friday and obviously SmackDown airs. And then we're like, what happened? What actually happened last week? That was uh, the main thing. The goofy Reginald stuff. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the 
<laughs> my hatred for I, Reginald grows week on week. I I don't understand what they're doing with the Bianca and Sasha stuff. Uh, they've got a ready-made feud here. It shouldn't be this hard to just go. No, I think I'm better than you. You have what I want. You have a title. That is the feud. Yep. Why do they keep trying to tag them? No, that's, I, yeah. I I don't understand it. The Reginald stuff doesn't really add anything. I you know the only thing I could guess is they're trying to add Reginald as Sasha's valet slash manager to put heat on her because he's so obnoxious. And I'm assuming this is all leading towards a heel turn for Sasha. But yeah. it just I don't know. I just don't think it needs it. I just think you can do heel stuff with Sasha. I mean, Sasha's one of the best heels they had at one point on NXT. They don't need to add Reginald in there. I don't know. <laughs> she does not need a sommelier. No. Didn't, she, didn't he pop up on Raw this week? Wasn't Nia Jax carrying him around? Yes. On Raw. I think literally they, carrying him around. They, they've literally gone, appear on everything. This will get you over. And everyone's like, we hate you. Please, please leave. Yeah. It's given me horrible it's given me horrible James Ellsworth vibes. Oh yes. Oh god. Yes. For people I... who don't need it. Sasha and as you said, I think when we did the untitled wrestling part about missed opportunities and I was saying how they overcomplicate sometimes stories that are there. And I mentioned the Becky Ronda and how they just completely messed that story up and I'm I'm really scared they're gonna mess a really simple story up between Sasha and Bianca, which is a match I'm really excited for. You've got two confidence to the point of arrogance. Uh, wrestlers there that is your story like you like yes. like phil said it's literally i'm better than you no you're not right let's sort this out then and then you have a series of like sneak attacks wand upsmanship stuff like that and you get like your mania blow off that's that's all it needs it doesn't need yeah. a man with no shoes on running about no socks no. on even yeah. Cause, cause, especially with mania being two nights i was fairly convinced this was gonna main event at night possibly yeah. night one i can see edge and roman but the more they put in reginald into it i'm like he, he can't be in a main event of WrestleMania. <laughs> if he is, I'll... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're doing all this great stuff with Bianca. They were doing like this kind of Mr. Perfect stuff where she was doing those vignettes. Um, I don't understand why they can't just do basically like this Mr. Perfect character with her and have Sasha basically be like, I'm better than you. I've done, I've done everything that you've dreamed of achieving at this point. I'm better than you. That is the, that's the feud. I don't know. Why are you adding extra extra sauce into this? It doesn't need it. I'm hoping tonight's SmackDown he won't be on it because Nia Jax is carrying him around. So <laughs> well, that's I mean, my only thing. They're going to have the title match at Fastlane. So you're reinserting him back into this feud with them by the time the pay-per-view comes. I, I don't get it. I don't really understand the purpose of protecting Nia and Shane at this point as champions. That was the other thing I didn't understand about NXT. I, I just don't think they're interesting as champions anymore. No. I think... I think you've got two of the best heels on Raw stuck in this tag team instead of using them in your title picture, your single title picture, and I just don't understand why. Is, who else are they going to give them to? I, I mean, you've got Riot Squad right there. You won't do anything with Riot Squad for some reason. I mean, if any team should have beat them, you build up this comeuppance angle for Lana for almost a year. Why didn't Why did Lana and Naomi lose? I I, I don't understand. Again, this is your ex- it's like you're in my head. Stop it. Yeah, it makes it makes no sense because they did the whole yeah of the, the sort of Lana redemption stuff, and now yeah, they're it's just not- anonymous of how the the tag title women's tag title well any tag titles <laughs> really yeah. have been treated. There's not much now, thought yeah. in it, even though like as a viewer you're watching it and going, oh that story's right there. Lana is gonna, Lana is gonna get a moment in the sun. But no, that's too obvious. Let's bring back Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> the 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was that an, a very quick skim over Raw? Um, what the hell was Shane McMahon doing? <laughs> That's the one clip I've seen of Raw, and I chose not to watch anymore. <laughs> I, said, I said on that Untitled Wrestling podcast, I'm really terrified we're getting Braun and Sean, uh, Shane oh. at Mania. No, it's definitely happening. It's, it's this this week convinced me it was happening. I pretty much knew last week when Shane did that uh, random tag match and Braun lost. And I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with them. I, I, I don't know. They seem to think at this point still that wrestling Shane is an honor. So if we don't have anything for the pay-per-view. That's okay because we'll get Shane out and you can wrestle Shane. It's like, uh, no, no. What does that really yeah. do for Braun, though? They always, Braun always gets messed up at Mania. You know, you had the tag title one when he, was it Nicholas, he pulled from the crowd and obviously he got inserted instead of Roman last year and he won, but there was no no build to that. It's just, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was really excited for one benef, benefit of COVID. I was thinking, well, they're not able to bring back, aside from Edge, all these part-timers that they would normally throw matches in, including Shane. And I thought we were going to get pretty much a card of the full-time talent, bar Edge, yeah. which I don't mind. So, and then <laughs> the more Shane keeps appearing, I'm like, oh my God. A wild Shane <laughs> McMahon has appeared. Yeah. Greased up yeah. to the nines. No. <laughs> sweating. <laughs> so sweaty. The sweatiest man in wrestling. <laughs> I, uh, like, he was never that good a wrestler anyway, even in his prime. And now what? No, it's just that whole yeah. segment. Well, the whole sort of bits they did didn't go anywhere. Didn't tell a story. Was sort of bewilderingly confusing at times. And, and yeah. Braun, Braun isn't going to carry him. Like I don't know if you've seen it, Joe. Um, he had a match against AJ at Mania. Like, just think about that. AJ Styles wrestled Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. But actually, AJ pulled a respectable match out of Shane, from what I remember. Yeah, it was a wrestling match. He pulled a wrestling match out of Shane McMahon, which commanded him around the ring. How good yeah. AJ is. Braun ain't gonna do that. No, that's not in his wheelhouse. He's a he's yeah. a he's a squash machine, isn't he? That's all he does. Yeah, look, Shane's gonna throw jump off of something high. That's <sighs> yep. our match. Right, that, that's it. He's gonna, <laughs> jump, he's gonna jump off the boat that Kevin Owens has been wanting to jump off for the last year, isn't he? <laughs> if he uh, does, I'll be furious. Kevin Owens. If that happens, <laughs> oh. Yeah, we had, um, was it an ODQ? Sheamus and Drew. Again, like, I thought they had a stellar match last week on Raw. That, that, that match that kicked off Raw, it, it really got my attention. <laughs> I don't I don't feel like we needed it again. I I'm getting a bit, yeah. Two weeks in a row is a bit much. I did the, like... The bruises on them, though, were... They were they, they beat their I did, crap out of I did like <laughs> the bit where they ran at each other with the stairs on their head. Because it was ludicrous. <laughs> I did have to rewind that to go, like... Did Seamus actually hurt himself? I was like, no, 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 it's not. No, but it was... I did have a moment where I was like, that could hurt <laughs> if you're running at each other with steel steps on your head. It's that, yeah. it's that bit out of The Simpsons, isn't it, where all of The Simpsons men get together and they're having a, they're having a pan fight in the yard. Yeah. It's... Um, lastly, when's The Fiend coming back? Do, is he coming back? It's is true. Randy going like to continue? Yeah, that, that's uh, a WrestleMania match, really. But... Yeah, seems like they're just dragging it out until Mania. Um... This, uh, I originally really liked Alexa with uh, Bray, and I thought that was a good dynamic, but with just Alexa trying to carry this thing by herself, it has exposed how much it needs Bray. I mean, I cannot tell you how much I miss Bray on our television, man, because she cannot carry this thing by herself. It's abundantly clear at this point. She's been stretched incredibly thin over it. Wasn't so, wasn't so bad at the start. I was enjoying it, but... It's been going on for on. two months. 
Yeah, yeah. I am. They just was it, not, what, uh, was it TLC? Was it TLC that he he burnt the thing? Was it TLC? Was it not just on like a, a raw? He set fire. No, it was a pay per view. Was it? it was, uh, it, which was in December before. Yeah, Christmas. it was TLC. Yeah. So three months. Three months. So yeah, I, this has been going on way too long. Again, you know, I think they put her in a women's division back in a title picture, and then they were just like, "Nope, we're just going to take her right back out." It was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just have you cut these weird promos week in, week out. Randy Orton will keep coughing up whatever that is, molasses or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was weird. It was like, hey, we're going to make our Raw Women's Champion look completely weak in comparison to you and never finish up that storyline. No, that's and, just gone away now. Yeah, And just have Asuka not be on TV for weeks. And well, she, has, she is concussed. She, has, she suffered a concussion, didn't she? Yeah. In a, yeah. So, because of a tag match, this shit doesn't. No. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we have our own hashtag justice for Oscar because we, we, because, uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we want she deserves better. First or second longest reigning NXT Women's Champion and is now just circling the airport, isn't she? It's a, it's a joke. I On some levels, I kind of want EO to lose the title before Main and just go. Come on, give me this. Give me this match with Oscar. She's—they've never had a match together, which is insane. They have yeah. not had a match together anyway. Really? Um, yeah, like they've never had a singles match together. They've—they've they've teamed together in a tag team. They've um, been in a ring together, but they've never wrestled each other one on. Well, there's your money. Exactly. You've got—you've got, you've got Mako Satomaru in your cha- in your company now. Get, come on, get get these matchups together. Come on. Yeah. Um, that's a wonderful segue as well there, Phil. Not... Uh, just to finish off on the show reviews. And I don't often watch NXT UK, but I'd read there's a lot of hype about the Kaylee Ray versus uh, Nico Setamora match for the NXT UK women's title. So I made an effort to watch it and I, I wasn't disappointed. It was it's my first time ever seeing Satamora and I didn't realize that's the person Sasha sought out during her uh, hiatus and she went and trained with her in Japan and said she, she's, she learned loads from her and... Have we have we watched this match? Who's, not, who's watched this? Not you said time. I watched it. Um, you watched Phil. I I thought it was great. Um, just to mark out on Mako for for a second. If you haven't seen any Mako matches, definitely check out her matches from the May Young Classic. Fantastic stuff. The match with Tony Storm is excellent. I mean, just incredible match. If you can somehow find the Mako versus uh, Asuka from Kanamania, fantastic match. When whenever you see Kana gifs where. It's like uh, Asuka with like the crown makeup, and she has like the big like uh, armor and stuff on coming down to the ring. That's what that that's what that GIF is from. It's from that yeah. match. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, Mako Satomura. I can't say enough great things about her. Uh, that match with Kaylee Ray was fantastic. Uh, I kind of thought Mako was going over. Um, I I wonder at this point who is going to beat Kaylee Ray. She's been champion for like what five hundred plus days. So. Yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> I thought she was going to lose. I, I I had no contacts going in because I've not been watching NXT UK. But um, yeah, the way it was built, I thought she was going to lose. But yeah, the match stopped me in my tracks on a Sunday morning. It, it stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, this this deserves some attention. It was quite short as well. It's like 20 minutes, 19, 18, 20 minutes. It wasn't a 40 minute epic. And they fitted a lot in, in that time. It was brutal yeah. as well. She, she is... The strikes that my Miko puts in, I was like, I felt them, I felt them through the screen. Yeah, some really good false finishes in this match. I mean, like when she went for the uh, Scorpion Rising and uh, Kaylee blocked it, and then went for the Gotcha Powerbomb again. Really good. It was really, really good. 
Yeah, I agree. De- definitely go and check it out, guys, amongst all the other wrestling you've <laughs> been trying to watch as well. Yeah, yeah that's the... Uh... Well, there's one more. There's a ton of, new, new, ton of New Japan this week. It's New Japan Cup. I'm not going to talk about all of it, and Butch is not here to talk about all of it, because I think he's seen literally <laughs> everything. I've seen, like, three matches. But uh, Butch's highlight would have been Shingo versus Okada, uh, which is a really cool match. Um with some really big spots, like a big superplex from Shingo onto a card, and Okada uh, sells it like he'd been shot in the back. <laughs> uh, it's like it's just constant counters, like with a constant rainmaker attempts, and then eventually Shingo gets the rainmaker on Okada, and um, he just about kicks out. Eventually, Okada gets him into the money clip, and this is a callback to the G1 where Shingo refused to tap, but the ref ended up stopping it. And the same thing nearly happens here, and he just about gets the ropes before that happens. And eventually, with a cool set of finisher counters, and Shingo gets the win, oh. which I don't think all of us were surprised. Well, me and Matt, me and Butcher were quite surprised. Um, yeah, it's a really good match, and I'd recommend checking it out if you guys haven't. Yeah, I've not got around to that one yet. I'll add it to the ever-growing uh, list it, of stuff I have to watch. Yeah. yeah. Also, Ishii <laughs> yeah. versus Sonata is good, and Kenta versus Juice. But I'm not going to like <laughs> spend ages talking about those because half watching him in the background because <laughs> there's just so much. <laughs> this is the problem. Saturated right now. Aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, definitely. How, um, is the the New Japan Cup still going on? I think so. I don't know. It's just been so much. <laughs> it's well, it just started this week, right? So I've only just started watching New Japan, and I have no idea what's happening. Great. <laughs> no, the, so, so the Cup just started this week. Uh, so I think we've still got like a few weeks left for the Cup. Oh God, it's going on for weeks. Oh man, like it's, <laughs> this is like a this was this is like a big thing. Like this is the Cup goes on for a few days. Uh, um but yeah i after uh shingo uh dropped the never open weight title to tana i figured he's gonna be next in line for some kind of big push because he's fantastic uh man he just looks like he's got world title holder written all over he's just yeah, incredible i'd be very i say i've only been watching it for a couple of months but he's a he's a new favorite yeah he's uh he's biggie's favorite biggie always speaks very highly of him in good company man Ah oh, man, you know, so Big E was saying that uh John Huber really wanted to wrestle Shingo and he was like really close to making it happen. It oh. just he just didn't get his new Japan run. That was one of his things he really wanted to do. Oh, that's devastating. And, oh, whenever yeah. whenever Big E talks about him, I just start crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. That Pretty a, much. That's a, 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 a shame. A hard bit of documentary, yeah. So you, you finally got me to watch a documentary yeah. and there's the bit with Xavier Woods saying, uh, but I miss my friend. I just, oh God. Is that the day of the Royal Rumble one? Yes. It's always yeah, that. It's, it's, um, I've just, I just had a moment then when we were doing the, the Exploding Bar by Deathmatch thing. Uh, the Untitled Wrestling Lads mentioned, and I'm trying to find it, the deathmatch that took place in a floating ring in a in a water tank and they had to be jet... <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find... Yeah, they had to be like... <laughs> They had to be jet skied to the ring, and so yeah, it was like, I'm I'm uh, trying to find it now. And, um, yeah, it was like half four in the morning when I mentioned that, and I kind of thought I dreamt it. No, no, yeah, uh, yeah. I just need I need to watch it because <laughs> I, I think <laughs> yeah, I think it was an exploding no. exploding ring match sort of thing, but it was on a floating with with and with it being a Japanese death match, probably crocodiles in the water and stuff as well. <laughs> Sorry. If you find it, send I'll, it on. I'll, I'll, put yeah. it on the. If you find it, put it on the Twitter. Right. Everyone needs to see that if it's a real thing. <laughs> he, he said he did find it. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll continue looking. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that sums up the shows. I think for the the week there wasn't much news outside of that. I think we've covered a lot of it. 
that leads us on to our, our topic of the week, which is one we're, as a podcast, quite passionate about doing and really grateful Phil is joining us because he's, he's wrote articles about this and know he's passionate as well from previous pods that we've done with him. Um, and it's the idea of representation in wrestling, kind of like how far it's come, where it's at, where it needs to go. Uh, and just an idea of kind of where this came from. I suggested this topic this week um, and I'd watched the AOP Untold documentary. I don't know if any of you have seen that. Oh, and there's, it's a, it, it hasn't had much fanfare like, you know, like the Big E24 had a lot of fanfare as all the social media, the hashtags are going. It wasn't much for this. It's a really good watch. And obviously when I started watching wrestling, it was the APA. I, I didn't appreciate what Ron Simmons had done at w- in WCW, I didn't appreciate um, Nation of Domination. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I didn't appreciate like what had happened with them and how important they were. And there was just a bit in the documentary where he said that when they were the APA, Vince wanted to to do a story about race, and Ron Simmons said no. He said if you if you make it about race, it's going to become an issue, and he refused to do anything. And that kind of planted the seed for me about this. And then I think kind of the reason why I. I suggested it was triggered really by the Apollo segment last week on SmackDown because I felt quite uncomfortable watching the, the segment. Um, and I was quite upset by it because the two weeks previous, you know, when he first came out and he was talking about his heritage, I was actually quite excited because I was like, this is good. You know, if they're actually going to educate about heritage, I thought this this could be really positive. And it, it really took me aback, like the, the segment from last week. Um I don't, have, have any of you seen that segment and kind of your thoughts on it? And I mean, so mm, 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 mm. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot to digest out of that out of the segment this week. Um, I, 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 I'll start by just saying I really like Apollo Cruz. I think he's a tremendous Same. talent. Um, a really athletic guy, um, really good worker, um, and he's still fairly young. I, I think that you could push this guy well into a mid card title run if you want it. Um, you could easily make this guy a world champion if you want. Um, I, I just think you've got to get a gimmick that sticks with him. So when he introduced this, I was like, oh, this is something different. You know, he's actually Nigerian. Um, there, There's a good place that they can go. I really like the subtle hint of him deciding to go back to his roots. And we saw him talking to uh, Roman all those weeks. And you get the idea that that's where he got the idea from. I think that's a, oh, yeah. that's that's cool. Like, all of those things are, are good. But <sighs> so... The first week, um, I didn't have too much problem with this first. The first promo, um, he mentioned stuff like, you know, my father, my my grandfather is from Nigeria and he has five wives and all of this wealth. And I was like, uh, okay. Then he, they do like the fake accent thing. And I was like, okay. And it was just in the one line. So I was like, okay, I don't know why we threw the accent in, but okay. Um, The real African-American stuff. It's a little dodgy for me because I, when you get on TV and say something as a wrestler who isn't African born, but both of his parents are Nigerian. So for him to get on television and say that I am a real African-American, that's going to touch a button for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, intentionally or not, it just is going to have a tone to it. Um, it just I don't know if we should be jumping into that kind of water with wrestling and wrestling doesn't necessarily handle race the best. Um it's it's especially because he's doing it and it's different if there's a live crowd there and the crowd just boos him. You could just say, okay, our crowd booed him, right? You put him in a, first of all, you put him in a situation to get booed. Yeah. That's already why this is kind of problematic. But you're not even 
giving the crowd the chance to boo or cheer this, you're piping in the boo. So you're telling your crowd that you want them to boo it. And I, I just think that's very problem. So then we get to this week. The accent is permanent, it seems like. Yeah. Um, so he's been faking the other one for seven years to fit in. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people defend the accent online. I've seen some people say, well, he gave storyline reasons why the accent is fine because he said he's been hiding, like you said. But this is clearly a fake accent. Like, come on. Like, it, this is this is clearly not how this man speaks. It's It just doesn't work. He, he changed for hours. He was like the little finger in Game of Thrones. Is that so much changing? It, it, did, yeah. it did shift a lot I, it's, it's 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 just i don't think it needs that i just don't understand why it needs that um all of all everything he's saying works as a heel um i don't understand why he has to do it as a heel um they have this kind of thing with this company where every time someone goes i'm proud of my heritage in my homeland all of a sudden you're a bad guy why does that make you a bad guy i <laughs> I, I don't understand that it, it just it I, think that, I don't know does that not sort of feed into the Anyone that isn't America's bad it feeds back to like the sort of Cold War era and all that sort of. It's it's the it, it's the unknown it that is scary. That's thing. Yeah, and it, you know you could take that back to the gender stuff where gender was doing essentially the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Ali's doing very similar things right now, um, where Ali is speaking the truth about his heritage and how people did you know mispronounce his name for months mm-hmm. over a year they mispronounced his name and a lot of things he says about you know the usage of um, muslim characters is correct but you have a heel saying that and he's you want us to you know boo him for that he's not wrong though <laughs> it, it it's it just doesn't work to me um it, it just feels like you're telling your core crowd that you know i you know this guy might be speaking his truth but we don't like this guy america rah 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 usa chance it just it just feels very dated to me. I mean, I get that the foreign heel is a tried and true method that works in wrestling. Everybody does it, but it just feels very dated. It just, I don't feel like, I don't understand why we're still doing that, especially with something as interesting as this Apollo. Um, we don't get a lot of Nigerian representation on any wrestling program. And so to have this guy come out with the flag and scarf and now we're supposed to boom, he's got the, the, the troopers behind him now and he's got a spear, it just... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the, the spear thing really sort of I was like, wow, laying it on this thick. Yeah. Like you said, I don't know why in this day and age we're still doing this. And like especially with America being such a, a, a burning fuse of sort of racial inequality still as it is, to put this as a as a heel character feels very dangerous to me. Yes. Uh and unnecessary. He can be Nigerian. Why does that automatically make him evil? It, it why not try and portray... Have they ever done foreign characters as, as faces? I think that's why the, the Kofi thing was so special. He, he was just the blue-collar guy, hard-working yeah. face oh, yeah. who never got the chance. And I don't know, I've kind of, I've kind of gone back over... I've watched that Kofi documentary again this week when he takes the title to Ghana. I, I was... Yeah, it's, I didn't appreciate the significance of that until I watched it again this week. But then just looking back at the feud, yeah, the, the whole crowd were behind him. And it was like, yeah, they, I forgot how rare that was yeah, to represent I mean, he, somebody like that. He's an African-born man. He, both his parents are, you know, from Ghana. Um, and they never made, you know, him being, you know, um, African into the storyline. His storyline was just that he wants to be champion. He never got his opportunity. And that's easy to relate to. Um, we already know his heritage. Um, it didn't become a sticking point for him as a character. You just didn't really need to do that. And I think um, one of the things that's so beautiful about the 24 and, and getting to see him go home, that was his first time going home, I think, 
um, I, I forgot the time frame, but he hadn't been home and you know since he was a kid. And yeah, I'm to sure come he said home, like 23 years. Yeah, to come home with the belt and to you know show kids this belt and you know when the kids were crying about uh, were crowding around him and he had this big smile on his face showing them the belt, I was just boohooing because <laughs> I was just so proud of him. Um, and it it was the same thing at Mania, watching him you know hand this title to his kids and watching his kids raise the title. I I cried then. I I cried <laughs> all throughout this documentary. Watching his journey from, you know, everything he went through to get that, it just was beautiful to watch. And so, you know, I think Apollo can be in a position where you can give him a beautiful storyline that's similar. And I mean, when this thing first started, I was like, you know, if you're going to do something with this and make his culture a part of storyline, they're the way to do it in an interesting way. Like you're doing something interesting with Roman, right? Yeah. But Roman's culture is not why he's booed. You're not booing him because he's coming out saying, I am a Samoan and I am better than you guys because I am Samoan. Or he's not coming out and making his heritage the, the part that makes him boo. He's getting booed because he's pretentious and he's smug and he's a jerk. Yeah. Um, that's that's the character. If you're making, you know, his foreignness the part that we're supposed to boo, then that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. But do you honestly think they're going to make his heritage part of his story? No. Um, who, Apollo? Yeah, they're not, are they? Um, well, I'm curious to see, because he said this real African-American thing two weeks in a row. So I'm assuming that that is going to be the jab at Big E, that I am a real African-American, you're not. So I want to see how Big E is going to monitor them. Um, putting that conversation in a wrestling with non-Black people may not understand the significance of that conversation. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Um, I, I just... Because, I mean, I don't think Big E will do anything in this that, you know, will be offensive. I think Big E, everything we know about New Day and everything they turned down before they got to the New Day. I don't know if you guys know of all of the names they turned down and all yeah. of the gimmicks. Yes. <laughs> so I don't think that, that he would allow this thing to go into, you know, offensive territory that he doesn't want to get in. But I just, I don't know how they're going to write around this because if you... You open this door to stuff like this and you're already piping in the booze. It just is like, what do you want your audience to do? <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> it, oh, again, yeah, I've, I've literally no idea where they can go from this without it either becoming caricature-y. Yeah. If, that make, very, if, that, if that makes sense. I mean, like... It's you, in, I don't know, man. It, it feels like a character at this moment because you've got him standing out. That's what I mean. He's, he's got a spear and he's got like armed militia with it. And it's, it's just, it, it feels yeah. like, yeah, early 90s nonsense. It it does. And I mean, I saw a lot of people that liked it. Um, I, you know, I got some flack for the article I wrote about it. It wasn't a lot, but there were some people that disagreed with me and said, you know, you've got to ask a Nigerian what they think. Because, you know, this is, you know, this is Nigerian representation, you know, so you have to ask them if they like it. Um, there are actually some Nigerians that like it, um, but there are Nigerians that don't like it. Um, there are Nigerians that are not wrestling fans that don't understand this trope in wrestling and they don't understand it. And that's the thing that I think is a part of the problem with this thing. We understand the foreign heel gimmick because we're in the wrestling bubble. But if you're bringing in non-wrestling viewers and and you're showing them that and saying, look, we're finally doing a Nigerian character. Come watch this. Why would they be interested in that? Why would if they, they don't understand the foreign heel gimmick and they're just looking for, you know, a Nigerian wrestler that they can get behind, why would they be interested in this? You wouldn't, would you? Because, I, I, I don't know, is it offensive? I, I don't I don't know if I would jump and say it's offensive quite yet. It's it's problematic. Um, it's 
it's uh it's got some weird connotations to it and you know one of the arguments i had with this thing on on friday with it is uh the spear right so you know there are there are ways to look at a spear in nigerian culture and there's a way to go no this is a thing in nigerian culture where it is a honor to carry a spear there is you know here there are cultural reasons for him to carry the spear but you've got to let him do that you've got to let him set it apart because otherwise we only know the history of spear toting african characters in wrestling we only know kamala we only only know you know all of these other characters that have done it you can't just say ignore that connotation because reasons you got to give us a reason to yeah well also it, it, growing up sort of 1980s britain as well it was also used as a racist term yes so. exactly and that's why i'm like you can't just act like those things don't exist you can't just say well no he's a heel but don't don't boo him and jeer him in that way it's like no you're already telling us to jeer him you can't then say well don't be racist too you don't <laughs> you don't know what your crowd's gonna do once you put something in their hands they can do whatever they want with. <laughs> yeah yeah yep. do, do you think i don't know what the, the creative and the writers rooms look like having having writers on the team who actually understand what they're writing about. Yes. I, cause here's the thing, this could very much be Apollo's idea. And, you know, I've gotten some inclination that it is his idea, but you know, we've known WWE to do this before. I was watching uh, Aiden English on, uh, uh, the, what's the cultaholic show, uh, straight to hell. And he, he was talking about this quite a bit and how you can take an idea to Vince and it's your idea. And sometimes it goes well. Sometimes you take an idea to it, Tim, and then he kind of warps into what he wants it to be. And you just have to roll with it because it's your idea and you got to follow through at this point because you pitched it to him. And so I think so, <laughs> so I think there may be some people out there that are like, well, we don't know if this was Apollo's idea. It could have been Apollo's idea, but that doesn't mean that they also didn't put, you know, some of their input into it as well. It's not um, through Vince's lens. Yeah. So we, we just don't know that. And I think, you know, there clearly needs to be some black writers in the room. I mean, of course they had Kazim there when uh, New Day was a thing. Uh, and they've had other, you know, other voices in the room, but I think there needs to be more than that. I mean, you can see that across the board in NXT. Um, when uh, when they signed Shane Strickland, right? Uh, really big fan of Strickland, Isaiah Swerve, Scott now. Um, Strickland was huge at the time when they signed him. I don't know if you guys remember, Strickland was like the, the top free agent at the time. He was just coming out of Lucha Underground stuff. He had like a profile on ESPN. He was a big deal when they signed him. And he kind of cooled and... Then he got thrown in the breakout tournament and he lost in the first round. And that was kind of it. They throw him in, threw him into 205 stuff. He's lost <laughs> both his title matches. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with Strickland. So now he's doing this stuff with Leo, Leon Ruff, where it's like, you get all the opportunities and I'm a heel now. It's like, huh? huh. And this is coupled with stuff like the ACH stuff, where ACH was in that same tournament, okay. won the tournament. And you've got the t-shirt ordeal with him. Um, you've got stuff like him getting a title match and then really getting nothing after that. Uh, and those are just kind of things where I think you need someone else in the room to go, no, this is what we should probably be positioning these guys to do. And that's not to say that I'm bringing up Strickland to say Strickland should have won the tournament or he should be in a better standing. I just don't really get a, a feeling of what, what Swerve's character is, in, is what I'm saying. And I could say the same for a lot of black wrestlers in the company. I just don't feel like they know how to create interesting and relevant characters around them anymore. 
Um, Biggie, Biggie and, you know, the New Day are like an exception to the rule, of course. They're interesting characters. What Bobby Lashley and those guys are doing is great. Hurt Business is great. But Bobby Lashley didn't get to the position where he got an interesting character and he got something that was relevant and different until MVP came in and he created that for him. And that's what I mean. It's like MVP understood the situation and he had to come in and go, no, this guy's fantastic. This is what we should be doing with him. And I think there should be, I think that's direct proof right there that you need more black voices in these writing rooms. And that isn't just for black writers. You need more, you know, different voices for some of the Japanese talent, some of the, you know, other talent that you have there as well, because it's clear that they don't quite know what to do with some of their Japanese wrestlers. Um, Hey, you've got Kushida for God's sake. And it's crazy to me, man. Like you've got Kushida on your roster and you're not really doing anything. You've got Nakamura. And I, after the rumble, when Nakamura, you know, started getting some heat behind him again as a face, I thought this is it. You can push this guy back into the world title picture. It doesn't seem like that's happening. And I don't know why. It, well, I do know why. It's just because they don't seem to know how to present him in an interesting way. Uh, and I mean, that goes into the Andrade stuff. That goes into several guys that are not, you know, their stereotypical face character or heel character. And it doesn't seem like they know what to do with them. I probably know it's going to be a one-word answer to this in a, in a term of a name. Andrade, Oscar, all these people, why could they get over and be presented well in NXT? Um, well, I think the presentation of Asuka when she was on T was very much they let her... They let her do the film vignettes, and I think those helped her a lot. Um, I think they let her speak just in her native language. And even if you didn't understand it, she showed so much character. And that came across when she was doing the Kabuki Warrior stuff, too. They were they were still speaking Japanese, but their character came through and all that. And I didn't understand why they stopped doing that. This this is something we've said many times. With I think the reason that we came up with all, a lot of, especially the Japanese, because they don't speak English, didn't have to do with them and won't let them promo. Nakamura just exudes charm from every pore of his body he's just a full-on just <laughs> strut in human form isn't he and yeah. yet yep. because his english isn't great he's he's sort of gets thrown to the wayside um the the, the finest oscar that ever was the elimination chamber where she was just in the in the elimination ranting and raving i, I have no idea what she was saying but you could tell there was passion in there and it, <laughs> it, you don't need also i can read subtitles it's not difficult yeah i mean <laughs> Why does I think a, a, a larger problem with the company as a whole is that they feel like everybody has to cut these long, you know, homogenized promos. And not everybody has to do promos. Some people can get over as nonverbal characters. I mean, Orange Cassidy says very little, but he's one of the best characters in the company and he's super over. And I think when Asuka is really clicking and she's really, you know, doing a lot of the character stuff. She doesn't need to cut a lot of promos to do that. You don't need her to get in the ring and cut a, you know, uh, uh, inspired he, uh, face promo or a you people promo. She doesn't have to do that to get over. Yeah. And it's and it's led to people having this opinion of him that he's come for a payday and he's just chilling out, which I don't believe for a second. No, I don't either. I mean, you can look at what they did with Hideo before he went back to being Kenta. I mean... I don't know. It's it's crazy. I mean, it, and if you want to argue that he cannot cut promos, I think we can no longer use that excuse because the vignette he did right before uh, Royal Rumble where he, he was talking about how he's a face now. He was saying, I've done everything. 
I've been a tag champion. I've been a U.S. champion, intercontinental champion, but I still have not won the WWE champion. I think that was some of the best stuff he's done in a long time. And it wasn't even on TV. It was for YouTube. And I was like, you can't tell me this guy can't cut promos and he can do this. He can't cut promos. You just don't know how to present him. I loved, was it, was it when he was feuding with AJ and he was doing all the, I don't speak English? Yeah, which well. is... <sighs> I mean, all of that stuff was fine. You've got him as a heel, but I just thought, man, he is so interesting. Why make this guy heel? I mean, why even, I mean, he was so great as a face. I mean, he was super over. I mean, I show people all the time his first entrance on SmackDown and just how over he was. I just cannot figure out how they ruined that. <laughs> I mean, even when you look at his, his Rumble win, he was so over that night. I mean, to, to come out that year, what was that, 2018? Um, to come out that year and crown two Japanese Royal Rumble winners and have both of them lose is just insanity. <laughs> Why? That's true. I mean, I mean, they even they even got us to the point that I didn't want to see AJ Styles versus Nakamura anymore, which blew my mind. I was like, <laughs> how? And I hadn't even watched all the Wrestle Kingdom stuff and the history, but I could tell from people who'd watched it, like, how can they have made us bored of this? As I mean, you've, yeah, you've got a guy that wrestles as well as Nakamura, who is as interesting and so charismatic, and you've got him doing dick punches. But it could, huh? Right. I mean, you could go back to several guys like that, that they insist that I have to do this foreign heel gimmick with you. And Rusev is, is right at the top of that list. Rusev was super over. Nope, we've got to make up a foreign heel because we don't think our fans would cheer for him. Rusev Day is just the loudest chant constantly. Yeah. I remember um, that WrestleMania that year, um, there was a convention here, and it wasn't a wrestling convention. I think it was like a comic convention. I went, and I walked past a guy that had a Rusev Day shirt on, and I was like, hey, Rusev Day, and everybody around him yelled Rusev Day. That's how over Rusev Day was at the time, and they just completely dropped the ball with it. They were like, well, if we can't push him as this foreign heel that is you know, anti-American, we don't know what to do with him. Uh, it was sarcastic chance, wasn't the, it? The Rusev yeah. day was, was sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really liked sense. Rusev. It was just all sarcasm. Yeah, yeah right. that, that whole arena of people chanting pure sarcasm. That just, that's a lie. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's, <up> there, <laughs> it's craziness. I mean, and I mean, I you know, as much as I'm saying all this, I think what you know they're doing with Bobby is great right now. I think Bobby Lashley as champion right now is great. Uh, but I can't say that I didn't get a little annoyed when I saw the graphic come up and they put the three uh, black WWE champions there. And I was like, there are only three. There's only been three WWE champions that are black since 68. That's yep. a, <laughs> that's crazy. That's and I terrible. think five total that counting the two world heavyweight champions. Um, but that's still like five and 68 years. Is, that's crazy. Um, and really before... Before 2019, it was only one. It was only Rock. So really, it was only Rock until Kofi won. Well, I was, I actually, oh, I, it was July, July 2020 that this was like up to date. So there may be over since. I, I was looking for the list of Black World Champions, not just in WWE, but just in general. And a, a few things jumped out, but. One thing that I did see is that it said in WWE, I'm quoting here, black wrestlers have rarely been positioned in WWE as championship worthy. Um, according to this database, a black wrestler hadn't been involved in a one-on-one heavyweight championship match since 2013 before Kofi's match. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I mean, when you look at some of those stats, it's staggering. I mean, 
the fact that Kofi is the first black man to win the WWE championship at WrestleMania. And the other part of that is when I say Rock is the only w, black WWE champion before that, Rock never successfully defended t- the title at WrestleMania. He has always lost at WrestleMania every time. And that's, that's wild to me. I mean, I don't know, man. I, again, I want to commend them for doing great things with uh, Apollo. I want to commend them for other things they have done over the years. I mean, I think, uh, just how great they've booked um, uh, uh, Street Profits as champions was up there. Um, I think they've given a lot of Black wrestlers opportunities that they hadn't before. And I think that's why, you know, Sasha and Bianca is such a big deal. To get that program yeah. at WrestleMania is historic. But, man, it's just some of that stuff is just staggering. I mean, the fact that we have the only, the only Black world champion feud where there were two Black men in the title picture that I can think of is Rock versus Booker at SummerSlam. Those are the t- only, that is the only pay-per-view match that I could think of that headlined a card where two Black men were in a world title picture. I cannot think of another one that is out there. Right, and that yeah. was, um, shoot, that was during the invasion angle. Yeah. <laughs> that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. That's, that's mad to think, isn't it? And it... We did a pod a few years ago about a few years ago, Christ, a few weeks ago about uh, women and how they've progressed and like how they've been presented in wrestling. And we kind of quoted like Becky that said, "Don't want to be the main event because we're women." And you know, this isn't a case of saying, "Oh, you've got to put like black wrestlers together to have the match." The talent is there. Yeah, the talent um, has been there for a very long time. For a very long time. I mean, yeah. To I mean, Rock and, and Booker, of course, icons. You know, getting them in a main event—that's a main event worthy match. Um, but you can't tell me that you could not build other, you know, main event feuds around, you know, black characters. That's possible. I mean, when you look at what Impact is doing right now and how Impact has done several main events. Uh, you, you had that great match with Chris Bay and Rich Swan. That's a headline match. That, that this week, Moose versus Swan. That's a headlining match. Um, they did uh, what Willie Mack versus uh, Moose a few week, few months ago, and I, I think that was also the main event of that pay per view. Uh, you can't tell me that with Impact with their resources, they can do that, but you can't. I, I just don't believe that. Can't won't. Yeah, I, I just think there's this belief that you know. Our audience wants to see this, and our audience might not get behind this match. Well, they will if you present these two guys as characters that matter. And, you know, if you don't, then they won't get behind it. I mean, and that's the same thing with the women. Once you legitimize the women's women's wrestling, then people will get behind the match. People were behind Becky versus Ronda. But you've got to get your, you've got to book the story so that they care. And that's, that's the thing. I don't want people to think, you know, in everything I'm saying that representation should matter because just do it. Just, just put these two guys in this match because they're black or just put these two women in this match or just put this Japanese wrestler in this match. No, representation means creating the stories where people will care. You know, if you don't do that, then it doesn't matter how well you, you know, position people on the card. You, you've got to get your fans interested. Yeah, and then becomes tokenism, does more damage good. Yeah, it is. It's weaving them into the part of the narrative. The tapestry is your product with it. Yeah, it it goes back to like what I said was the seed from me wanting to do this topic about Ron Simmons refusing race to be part of an APA story because he was like, it doesn't need to be part of the story because yeah. once you once you put it in, that that's the focus of the story. So that's that's not what this is about. And again, it, I, I go back to it. It's what for me made Kofi's story so special. Yeah. And as, as special as it was. If you also like just take a step back, it was also an accident. Yes. Um, 
the thing that I enjoy about the Kofi match as well is there is there is a racial undertone to it. Um, but they don't ever make that the main driving point of the story. There is, of course, like an undertone to the stuff Vince was doing um, yeah. and saying, you know, you people like you don't get this kind of match or whatever. You know, the undertone is there, but that doesn't matter long as you have Kofi prove him wrong and he wins the match. I, I think I mean, it helped being against Brian as well. Like when Brian rolled out, you're a B plus player. I was like, <laughs> See, I think he yeah. called Kofi a B plus player at one point. I was like, oh, that's called that. I mean, when you when you listen to the way that Brian talks about Kofi and how you can tell that he was a big driving uh, proponent of that match and that feud. Um, I, I think that is, you know, a big part of why it happened. I don't think if 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 Brian pushed for it, we might not have got it. Uh, and Brian's been pushing for Big E to get very similar treatment. He's a big fan of Big E. And uh, I just think it's wild that they, you know, kind of jumped over him as as much as he was pushed early on. Like, even to the point that they were positioning Big E as like the on-screen locker room leader at one point. And so to get all the way to WrestleMania season and then he just kind of loses the Rumble, that was kind of weird. And again, to go back to a wild statistic, The Rock is the only black wrestler before Bianca to win a Royal Rumble. There are only two black Royal Rumble winners <laughs> in the entire history of the company. That's wild to me. Yeah. As much as Kofi has done for the Royal Rumble match. I mean, I mean, he has put over the Royal Rumble match more than anybody over the last decade, in my opinion. And he's never won it. That's crazy to me. You could say the same thing for the Money in the Bank match. The Money in the Bank match is a staple because of Kofi Kingston and Shelton Ben. They put that match on the map. Neither one of them have ever won it. <laughs> <laughs> that's satirific, isn't it, really? It's, I don't know. It's just, I, and that's why sometimes when I see people online do the, we've got we've to gotta commend them because they're getting representation better than some other companies and you know i know that's a jab at AEW, and maybe a jab at whoever else or roh and you know all these other companies have black world champions rich is, is world champion uh bobby's world champion uh roh has uh gresham um he's pure champion and aw doesn't have a black world champion that does look jarring but at the same time you can't just say okay well they haven't booked a world champion so that they're not doing anything in terms of diversity they can do better as well but I don't think that's the gotcha moment for WWE fans that they think it. I, I've seen a lot of them try to do it, but it doesn't really work because this company has been around for yeah, two years. Yeah, yes. two years. Yeah. You, you you've got a company that's been around for two years, and they crowned a black trans woman as champion in those first two years. Um, I don't I don't necessarily agree that they have done everything great in terms of diversity. They've done some great signings in terms of diversity. But um, they don't necessarily have all of those people on TV like they should. Sonny Kiss should be on TV more. Yes. Um, Absolutely. They've, they've made great signings like Top Flight. They've, uh, they've done great things with Private Party and some of these other characters. They can and should do better as well. But I don't think we should be giving a lot of company brownie points because a lot of companies are not as great in terms of, you know, booking and, you know, crowning black world champions i mean even when you look at nwa as long as nwa has been around there's only been one black world champion rich is only the second black impact world champion yeah when i went they, again i might be slightly wrong so it was up to july so there might be one or two more now um what i was just looking for a list of black world champions just in wrestling history not just wwe and it came out from about 28 28 29 Probably ask, um, put Swan in there now, 29, from 1963. The first one was in 1963. So from 1963 to now, 
let's just round it up. You've had 30 black world champions in every promotion. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, as the world I champion. I don't think Ron Killings won NWA championship until 2000. So they hadn't crowned a black world champion until well into 2000. Hasn't been another one since. Yeah, uh, it was 2002. He, yeah, yeah, he won it. Uh, yeah. uh, Rock won in 99? Yeah, so, uh, 98, 98 he won it, yeah. That's when I started watching. So 98, and he was, he's what, like a five-time WWE champion in that time. And I don't think that they didn't crown another one. Kofi was 2018, 2019. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got Mark Henry in between there. He's world heavyweight champion. You had a Booker, of course, but (laughs) it was a long time, man. Yeah, it is. How how did you, uh, someone who makes the name on this list from, I don't know, the promotion, CZW, um, Leo Rush was a world champion in that promotion in 2017, and he had quite a lot of public beef with WWE about how he was treated, and they tried to brush it off as, oh, you're just doing the chops as the young guy, like, I don't know if you know the story, like Joe and John, but he, he basically got a load of beef that he, he he was refusing to carry the bags of wrestlers off the coaches and stuff like that on a European tour, and he refused. There was a lot more as well going on about they were accusing his wife of going into locker rooms, but but he he said himself, like he said, yeah, I know I'm a rookie compared to these people, but I'm I'm trying to present. I'm on a European tour. I am a WWE superstar, and he went the image of me getting off a coach carrying the bags of the white wrestlers is not an image i want to portray yeah and he got he got he got heat for that it's not an image as a company i would want to, to portray either really yeah it's not uh, it's not a good look is it no um Fucking i thought a lot of what hell. leo said was you know i you know i am not a wrestler i don't know all of the paying your dues stuff you know but i understood why he said that and one of his other big complaints that a lot of people brushed over was he was saying man I don't have merch, right? But Lashley has merch. Lashley's merch is over because of me. You have mm. my catchphrases on his T-shirt, and I don't get any royalties for his T-shirt. Why is that? Nobody can answer that. And, you know, people were saying, well, he's complaining about money. Is he not making enough money? It doesn't matter if he's not making enough money. You're, you're selling merch that he got over. He should get he should get some percentage of that. Yeah, didn't, didn't he have a huge beef with mark henry and mark henry told him he should manage his money better or something yeah like that. mark mark was kind of all over him and i th- i thought some of the stuff mark was trying to throw on him wasn't fair but i i if anything if you're gonna do that and say those things about leo had that conversation behind closed doors you know mm-hmm. don't kind of try and admonish him for stuff that he's not wrong about um it that was a bit weird but you know i get it you know once you're in the company and you don't want to ruffle any feathers and you have a status in the company you kind of go along to get along you don't want to you don't want anybody to look at you like oh well you know you're a troublemaker so i on some levels i get mark doing that you see booker do it sometimes too but it's like mm-hmm. yeah c- come on man you, i think if if he didn't have a point if he was just complaining to complain maybe but i didn't feel like he was doing that and you know, you know, good for Leo. He's doing really great right now. Two championships right now. Triple yeah. <laughs> uh, A cruiserweight champion. Yeah, M- MLW. Uh, and you know, isn't he? I think he's officially on the New Japan roster page now. Is he on it now? I know he'd done some like promos to promote yeah. him going over there. That's great. Yeah. And I, I like that you you talk about like Lashley getting the merch. Like even when Lashley won, like before, he was like, "If Lashley wins, I'm gonna do the chant." 
and then the, on his Twitter, he was saying it. And then when Lashley won, he was doing it. I, I just like that that support. It's it's wild when you think about Lashley's two years since he signed back. Um, he's been back since 2018, and when you think about what he wasn't, what he was doing when he didn't have Leo next to him, or when he didn't have MVP next to him. It's crazy. Like when Leo was next to him, he was he looked great, had that IC title run in the WrestleMania. All that stuff was fine. Then you get him away from him, he's in the Solana stuff. It's just <laughs> I don't know, man. It, I don't know. And I'm sure they're patting themselves on the back pretty hard for Bobby right now, but it took them two years to get that right. And it took MVP coming gonna, in think, and you know, fixing the right in the ship for them. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, MVP I, I, I've said he deserves he's, a lot of credit for that, yeah. Yeah, I, I I feel like I say it every week now. Like for me, he was low key the best signing of 2020. Yeah, yeah. For what I mean, he's done. Yeah, uh, what he's done for Bobby, what he's done for uh, Shelton. Shelton wasn't doing anything. Shelton's on TV almost is on TV every week now. Uh, got tag team title gold again. Uh, what he did for Cedric. Cedric wasn't on TV as well. And they've got characters that are building exactly. Now. Which is uh, good. And, and, and it's not just like, oh, we're four black guys. The thing I really enjoy about what MVP is doing, because there have been other guys that compare him to Nation of Domination. He always says, no, we're not the nation. We're our own, own thing. We're businessmen. You know, we're not we're not doing this as a race thing just because it's four black men together. We're businessmen. We're about our money. That's it. That's that's the angle. We're not we're not doing anything else other than that. Yeah. And to the credit one one thing I like on Raw, like we were talking about falling into stereotypes, is that take the New Day, take the Hurt business. You've got, it doesn't matter about the colour of the skin. They're just, they've been a character that you've got one one group who are suited up, got the tailors, and you've got these other groups just acting as nerds. Like, I, I listened back to, because I remember listening to it at the time, and I was, I think I made John and Joe and everyone else listen to it, because I was bawling in tears. The New Day podcast after George, after the George Floyd. That was a powerful, powerful listen. And I, I actually listened back to it this week and they had a guest on it. I can't remember what, Andreas Hale, he was called? Yeah, yeah. And he, I, yeah. yeah. It, and he was a great guest on it and he was talking about Kofi winning and he was like, my son, you know, that watching you, you're a nerd. You play video games, you have fun, you dance and you've gone out and won it. And that, that rep, when you go back to representation, that is not something they see on TV. Like yeah. that, that character... And it was a powerful moment for his kids. And when you watch back the WrestleMania and you see like his kids, Kofi's kid out there with him. And like, I like the fact that Raw has got different presentations. It's not stereotypical presentations at the moment, like Hurt Business and New Day. And as a father myself, I was thinking back to that, like, I can't imagine what it's like, because we talked about race here, but you kind of touched on like, like Sonny and that and like the LGBT community, like John, you put us onto a podcast this week. Was it Dave Bradshaw? Was he called? Yes. That, that was a sh- talk. That, that, that was a shocking listening. Like when I listened to it, I couldn't believe what I was listening to the stuff he was talking about. And he was talking about basically being a 19 year old who, who knew that he had sexual attraction towards boys, but he didn't feel comfortable coming out because what he watched in, in wrestling was basically representing society. And what was happening in wrestling is if anyone was, they could never say the G word, he said, didn't they? They can't no, say they, the G they word. Called they were him, um, flamboyant, they were extravagant, bizarre, and they Goldberg. got the shit beaten out of them because of who they were. Yeah. And he said, and he was watching it, and he was like, I drink beer, I go watch football, I hang around with my mate. I went, I'm not this camp extravagant character. And he said it really confused him yeah. because he didn't feel represented. And I can imagine 
like I, I understand why Kofi's win was so big because he's just him. Yeah, um, and you know that's again that's why I have to give AEW some credit for how they position Nyla. They don't get on TV and say she's a trans woman. They don't ever make her being trans a part of her presentation. It isn't a part of her character. She's just a good wrestler. Um, and I have to give them a lot of credit for that. They never come out and say that she's openly this or that. She's just a wrestler. They just present her the way she is. Um, and I thought that was a, you know, when they did the tournament and they had Vinny, which big fan of Vinny. I really enjoyed her on the Japanese (laughs) side. Um, Excalibur made sure to get her pronouns right. He never made a big deal about it. He just, you know, he would say they, he never, you know, tried to go or, you know, correct anybody if they got it wrong. He just made sure that he got her pronouns right. I think in the in the third round when they had the battle royale, I think he had a whisper in Taz's ear because the mics go quiet and then Taz starts purring um, to them today as well. But yeah, I think maybe he, maybe, maybe Taz just didn't know because yeah. Taz has been dropped on his head a lot. <laughs> I mean, hey, credit to Excalibur. I thought Excalibur has done a great job. Um, with most of the women's wrestling stuff since the tournament, yeah. um, I think the Japan the cha- Japan bracket worked because of Excalibur. And yeah, if they'd have just put it out there with with Jr. doing the commentary, it would have been a mess. Oh, yeah. it, it would have been dreadful. <laughs> they did a fantastic job of telling everyone's story and getting them over with you. It was just a great job. Yeah. Yeah. He deserves yeah. a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of praise. But yeah, it is that thing. He did mention it. He just mentioned it in passing. It was never this is this is who they are. It's just yeah, it's a strange thing. Yeah, I mean, and again, you know, I don't want to, you know, I never want to make it seem like any company is doing it perfect. You know, I think when you give companies brownie points, you know, you should commend them for the good things they do. But when you give them brownie points, they try to say, oh, this company is doing it better than this company. No, every company can do better. Yeah. I, I don't think any company is doing it perfect. And I mean, I, I think to, like I said, to AEW's credit, they have done some things that are progress. Um, they, they've got some room to, to grow. They do need to position more than just you know non-black wrestlers or you know white wrestlers in their world title field they do um but at the same time you've got to build those guys up um and i think they've done a fantastic job building up scorpio when they do get a chance um they've done a good job of you know building up guys like kingston and and uh i think like sammy Guevara is going to be there at some point um but they're working towards that. And, you know, again, I don't want to just go, oh, they deserve the credit for working towards that. But, you know, it's a work in progress. It's a, two, it's it, a it barely feels, two years old company. It, yeah, it feels like they're building to it organic rather than going, here, here it is. Let's just push them to Because I, yeah. I genuinely believe, like, Santana Renati is the tag team J as well. It's, there, there is the there is fair, but they are just sowing the seeds fine. But, yeah, like you said, everyone there is there's all. Uh, absolutely. Everyone yeah. Does. I remember I took flack because I said that AEW has not crowned a single white woman as women's champion. <laughs> they haven't. And um, somebody was like, oh, so they're the only people doing representation well. And I was like, no, but you have to give them credit for coming out the gate and positioning Brit as the face of the division from day one and never making her champion. They went, I, I mean, I don't know all of the backstage stuff with, with that, but to, to crown three women of color as, as champions straight away, I, I think that's a good thing. It's, yep. I didn't even notice that, to be honest. Until you said I was just going to say <laughs> yeah, credit yeah. to him because it's, yeah. Uh, I it's... Didn't, even, didn't even notice, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of leads me into a question I was going to say. Like you were talking about companies patting themselves on the back because you've got Bobby Lashley and that. I never noticed that about the women in AEW. But how do you feel about the, the, the fact that, like the WWE, like, oh, 
here's our first African-American championship. Or here's the first championship in 16 years. Like they, they, they do to me kind of feel like they, they say this stuff. It's like, oh, like, well they do, done. They do, they do pat themselves on the back a lot. Uh, and I mean, in some ways I get it because they're trying to get out of this era that they were in, what, six, seven years ago. Whereas the women weren't used well, um, you still had, you know, outlandish stuff like some of the women didn't have merch. Um, and I think that's the thing people leave out with some of the diva stuff. Um, when they when, when you talk about how bad the divas era was creatively, it was also that the women didn't have merch. They didn't have um, they didn't get a lot of the same opportunities as the men. Um, and that's, again, nobody's perfect. You know, even though I just said that great stuff about AEW crowning all these women champions. They haven't. They only have one woman in the company that has an action figure, which is crazy. She has been champion for close to a year. She's just now getting an action figure. Like that, that, looks, that shouldn't be a thing. That looks no, <laughs> that looks nothing like her either. I will say. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the real action figure is kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's shocking. But yeah, I mean, so I mean, I you know, I definitely think WWE gets off by doing their first ever, first ever, first ever, and they throw that out a lot, and it's like, well. Yeah, this is all great that you guys are doing this stuff now, but I don't want people to get over the fact that, you know, this isn't because they couldn't do these things before because some external situation was keeping them from doing it. This is the ceiling they set for the women themselves. They that This isn't something someone put on them or like the industry was telling them women cannot be this. This was a company edict, <laughs> right? So, you know, it is great that they've come out, they've, they've changed and they've gotten better, but you know, this is still, you know, stuff that they've had to overcome from their own doing. Going going forward, where do you think change could happen? Can you see? For, for the women or just in general? Just in general, in terms I, of representation. I think that they have done a disservice by not pushing an openly gay champion. Um, I, I think that is something that's long overdue. Um, I mean, shoot, we don't even... We haven't had a Japanese champion yet. If if Shinsuke would have won at WrestleMania, he would have been the first Japanese WWE champion. Um, I think it's crazy that you have so many great Japanese stars. You probably have the biggest Japanese stars you've ever had in the history of the company, right? And you still don't have a Japanese WWE champion. That's 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 crazy to me. I mean, if not Shinsuke, I mean, you've got other guys. You've got you've got Kushida. Kushida came to your company because he wanted to be in a world title pitcher, and they wouldn't do that for him in New Japan. So. What are you waiting for? You got them. Come on. I, they've got other guys. I mean, I I think Tozawa is fantastic and he's doing nothing. I don't know why he's doing it. Um, it but yeah, definitely they've got a book and op- openly gay. Champion. I think that's something that is the next step progression. I think having Sonya Deville and having someone as fantastic as Sonya on your roster, I think she's way overdue some kind of push. Whenever she's ready to wrestle again um, after just a terrible situation yeah. that happened to her, um, Whenever she's ready to wrestle again, I think that's the step to make her champion and to do storylines that can be around creating positive representation. And you don't have to do the, uh, ooh, they're gay storyline. Do the, you know, do something like the Lana Liv thing, which is dated. You don't have to do that kind of thing. Well, hadn't Sonya and Mandy been basically pitching to do a storyline about that? And then they just got rebuffed and then they turned into Raw and that was happening. Yeah. She she pitched it from what I understood. She was in conversations with Glad. Um there were there were the gears were turning and it just didn't go anywhere. Um and I mean that's not just in their women's division. I would love to see them, you know, sign an openly gay man and let him, you know, get a run in the champion and get a successful run. Um 
And that's that's industry wide. That's not just WWE. I, I think that needs to change throughout the industry. Um, I, I think like AEW has two. Um, Anthony Bowens yeah. is openly gay, um, and then Sonny Kiss. And I think that's a great thing to just have um, more than one openly gay man on your on your roster, and they are so different. You know, they don't. You know, Anthony Bowen. If you saw him, you wouldn't just go, "Oh, he's gay." Because he just, you you wouldn't guess it. He doesn't make it a big part of his character. But at the same time, you know, Sonny Kiss, you can tell. Like he's, or, you know, some. I think he's fine with being called cheap. And that's a big part of who he is. And that's why, I mean, you, you've got to present us with different kinds of characters to normalize this. I think with Sonny Kiss, he said that however you want to relate that fine. Because I think Jim yeah. Ross Jim Ross copped a lot of heat for it. And he's like, I yeah, spoke yeah. I spoke to Sonny. He said, it's, it's however you want to really. <laughs> it's however you perceive me. That's what he yeah. said. I think he's done some questionable podcasts, shall we say, Chris Jericho. But one that I uh, did enjoy was the one with Nyla Rose. And he got a lot of stick for that. And I thought it was really unfair because I, I listened to it and it was clearly a man who didn't know the subject material that he was dealing with and it was basically a live education that Nyla was given yeah. I found it I found it quite kind of beautiful to listen like watching a person who didn't know how to deal with this try to understand and then kind of seeing him understand as the, the hour and hour and a half went on I don't, I don't know if you've listened to it but yeah I listened to it um I, I thought it was a great episode. I don't really watch, listen to much of his podcast anymore. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> but no. I, I thought that was a good episode. Uh, and I thought Nyla was, uh, she did a really good job of walking him through the conversation and never, you know, judging him or being, you know, harsh about it. Um, and I think she just does a great job in, as a whole, even when you look at her on Twitter and she talks about certain things that she goes through, she never puts on that it goes, she goes through a lot. And I can already see it. Um, during Black History Month, I wrote an article about, you know, the most influential Black world champions. And I put her on the list. And there were so many people that were like, she doesn't belong on this list. And I was like, well, she's Black. And there were so many people that were like, no, she's not. She's of Native descent. And I had to correct people like, no, I've interviewed Nyla. She's Black. Mother's Black. She has made it very clear that she's a proud Black woman. She belongs on the list. If people don't like that, too bad. Um, there were people that were upset when um, she beat uh, Thunder Rosa. And, you know, it's the same thing. You know, people trying to jump on her. I had this guy trying to jump in my mentions and call her a him and all this other stuff. And it's like, I don't know who you're trying to get a rise out of here, but you'll get muted. Like, I'm not that's, doing this yeah, with people anymore. That's the like, easiest point, thing to do now. Yeah. It's <laughs> you just go through and you go, what? Yeah, you don't need that in your life. Yeah, it just it doesn't matter. So I, I know that she goes through a lot online and you never see her complain about it a lot. She just keeps going. And I think that just speaks to how, you know, uh, humble she is and just how great of a person she is. Yeah, I think that podcast you put us on, Joe, like at the end, he's kind of asked, like, what do you think the positives are and where do you want it to go? He mentioned Nyla getting in her like in her vignettes, was able to portray her herself for who she is, was a positive. Um, he mentioned like the near-claimed and what's he called in near-claimed? Anthony, Anthony Bowens. Anthony Bowens. And I didn't know, apparently he's got a quite a popular YouTube channel with his, with his boyfriend. Yep. Uh, yeah. goes and I was like great and one that I didn't know I can't remember the name of the wrestler that he was talking about but apparently at, I want to say last Wrestlemania at Wrestlemania weekend last last year there was going to be a, a Pride Pro wrestling event mm-hmm. and I was like that's great that's, oh that's are, great. are you are, are you talking about Effie I was going to say Effie is like the most um yeah the most I don't, I don't know the most out wrestler if that makes I don't know whether that's the correct you know but yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah 
Yeah, but I just like the idea that at a WrestleMania weekend they were going to put out this kind of pride party. So it was the company, yeah, like the, a new company, and they were they, they were going to promote it. Supposed to be doing one um, at, at London Pride. It's supposed to be like a, a wrestler promotion uh, in yeah. London. Yeah. It's, oh really? Yeah, it's yeah. So cool. If it can go ahead, obviously. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. yeah. Uh, I I think like uh, like Effie's done some great shows during WrestleMania week. He usually does like his big gay brunch. Big gay brunch. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I, I really like what Billy Dixon's doing. Uh, he's also openly gay, and he's done like the Butch versus Gore show is coming up. And he's gonna have the Cassandra Cup. Uh, the Cassandra Cup's named after uh, uh, El Cassandro. He's like openly gay um, luchador kind of wrestler, um, and he's done shows here uh, in Chicago. Uh, I know he did a show with Rise here. Um, so it's slowly happening. They're slowly getting more, you know, shows with LGBTQ. Uh, plus representation but you know i'd be happy when more major companies will sign these wrestlers and you know push them to the forefront yep, yep. absolutely give them give them proper storylines of it as well yeah absolutely because i mean signing them is great but you know of course you've got to do the other work of you know normalizing them on television you know just yeah, having were... them on the roster is not enough i can't remember what the I know Joe and John, you listened to it. They were giving an example where on SmackDown or Raw, whichever one it was, there was a, a gay storyline that was actually happening with uh, openly gay wrestlers. And then Eric Bischoff on the other brand, let's say Raw, basically went, this is a publicity stunt and then had a... It was Billy hot, and Chuck. Was it them? Yeah, he had a hot oh, lesbian yeah. action night action and mm. it was effectively I mean, just part for the audience. It's fucking Eric Bischoff, yeah. mate. It tells you all you need to know right there, doesn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cosplay Hell's what, Angel, yeah. What was that horrible story recent, uh, not recently, that, you know, wasn't there like a openly gay man? He wasn't gay to like the public, but he was to the locker room. They Chris had him coming. Yes, that's it. He came out and he did like the boy George and then Undertaker just like really beat him up in front of everybody on in the ring and he came out I didn't of the closet. Yeah, he yeah, came yeah. out of the closet. Right on the nose, that one, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was oof, that was rough. Yeah. But he uh, he's mentioning this in this. I I had to like stop and go, what the fuck have I just listened to here on that podcast? Like that can't have happened on TV. But apparently he had actually gone to Vince and said. I want to portray a positive gay character on TV. Like the public don't know I'm gay. I want to portray it because it's not there. Like that that representation isn't there. And he got turned down. And then the next thing you know, they were like, "Oh yeah, get in this closet, dressed as Boy George, and you're going to jump out." I think that's singing, do, singing. Do you, you want to really, hurt me? Really hurt and then me. get the shit beat out of you by the Undertaker. I think that's uh, Vince took his idea, passed through Vince, Vince's lens, and that's what came out of the end. He thought this is positive. Yeah, it's, that yeah, was. Because I, yeah. I want to say two thousand two, three, and he committed suicide he got, seven years he got, later. He was he only got, forty years old. He got very wow. He got very very confused because then he was like, "My character's gay, but I'm not," and it was just just all. And then yeah, it yeah. led him down a, yeah. a path of, of horrible. <laughs> that's the thing, like the. I think rest like wrestling has changed for me now in that like a lot of the the walls are being broken down because of social media because of YouTube the the walls are being broken down so we kind of have a more intimate knowledge of what these people are like and kind of like with him making him deny who he was on TV just to make sure he had a spot on TV that must have fucked with your mind it really must have fucked with your mind and I think I would like to think we'll be on that now and I'd, I'd like to think the public are be on that and. I don't know. How much do you think a societal mirror plays in wrestling? Because another part to think when you're talking about AEW and WWE, you've, we're talking about the companies, but you've also got networks. 
yeah that i've got oh. to agree to this stuff going on and I, I don't feel wrestling is is so ahead of society that they're willing to take chances on things especially if you're on a network yeah i can see that until I, I, they see a change in society yeah i can see that i'm sure there's network pressure um but you you got to look at the wrestling industry as uh <laughs> it's a historically masculine industry like it's a it's historically you know male dominated industry and so I think a part of, you know, getting over this hump of masculinity and you don't have to fit this image. Um, I mean, we're just getting past the image in the last 10 or 20 years of you don't have to be this huge hulking man to be a, a wrestler. You can be a smaller guy and still be, you know, a compelling wrestler. Um, so I think some of it is the, you know, the stereotypes in this thing and getting past, you know, what is a proto- prototypically, you know, pushed wrestler, Right. You've got, well, yeah. yeah, it's your, it's your seven foot tall. It, it, it's your, your Vince's fantasy, isn't it? It's your, yeah. Land of the giant thing. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, your, it's your seven foot yeah. tall, ripped guy, 300 pound, all muscle. It still exists, but yeah. I think you'll find now there's a lot more, like you say, a lot more small guys, a lot more fast guys. Anyone, um, what was he called? He was on an episode of Dark. Uh, Puff? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He was great. I loved him because uh, yeah you can be any 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 shape size height whatever and still be a good wrestler it's all to do with skill and and how how you present yourself and that yeah that, that for me is the main selling point of the, the wrestlers that i like is that they're not sort of the giant hoss i mean i like the giant bear trip watch that all day the butcher yeah especially with, especially with these new pirate pants but yeah it's <laughs> it's yeah it's just, it's nice to have variety. Variety makes things exciting. If everyone liked the same things, it would be boring. We'd stuck having gone back on the network and watched early wrestling. Boring. It's just two giant dudes chopping each other 20 minutes. It's just, there's now to it. Boring. Now yeah, I you've mean, got different styles and different stuff, and it, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I think people forget, you know, the character is what makes us interesting in a lot of these guys. Like, to me, like... Uh, Dusty wasn't a body guy, but Dusty was a fantastic character. And I think he is, you know, prime example that you don't have to be, you don't have to fit anybody's mode. As long as you know, you can go out there and entertain a crowd. That's all that matters. I'm there to be entertained. That's yeah. it. It's sports entertainment. My only concern <laughs> with, with, with stuff going forward is that companies will get their hands up and will end up with awful, awful at first uh, and until they get it until they've, they've done a couple of them and figured out what's gone right and gone wrong that's yeah that's, that's my only my only major beef it is is that they'll make a big deal signing first off and then they'll have him apps dog shit angle <laughs> um yeah i yeah i don't know i kind of wonder like is that the hindrance with uh shana in some ways like shana is not openly gay but like it's kind of a known secret um, like she had the hot mic during their uh, promo with uh, <laughs> Dakota, and you can clearly hear her over the mic saying, "That's my girlfriend." Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's got like a known secret. Um, but I kind of wonder, like, because she doesn't fit like the you know aesthetic of the rest of the women's wrestlers on the main roster, is that why she hasn't been pushed as a singles wrestler? Um, because she's like rough, and you know, she is not you know girly the way that the rest of them are. I I wonder is that why she hasn't been pushed to the forefront because she's phenomenal. She was a great world champion with NXT. Um, she had everything that they liked about Ronda and everything that they consider like legitimized what they were doing. So why is it so hard to push her as a singles wrestler? I don't quite understand that. And Becky wanted her to take the title off her at that mania. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, 
I think we should have gotten uh, Shayna versus Asuka title program a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know why that hasn't, hasn't happened yet. Um, but again, I almost feel like they are, you know, keeping her in this tag team to go, look, we are doing something with her, but, you know, it's it's hindering her, in, her, in my opinion. It's not helping her. I've said this for ages. Good. The, tag, the tag belts. No one, no one needs to get rid of them. Unify them to one belt. Yeah. In the way they're using them, yeah. The across, across, across. Well, you can't do it across all three brands now, can you? Because they've just introduced the NXT ones. But <laughs> yeah, across, across the, across the SmackDown and Raw brands, unify them, have one belt, and and at least then you're not having this weird diluted talent pool across it. Because yeah, um, she needs to get out of that. Doing neither of them any favors. I remember when she had the WrestleMania match against Becky last year, and on the day of whatever night of WrestleMania it was. She had her own little mini documentary, Chronicle, whatever the, it was called. It was quite a disarming documentary because, and again, it didn't get much publicity. But like having watched Shayna and like that badass, it kind of showed her in a house and how much, basically, she's a big geek. He's <laughs> <laughs> a big geek, Shayna. And it was basically showing that side of it. it. It proper disarmed me. And I was like, oh, well, they're putting the time to put this documentary together, to put it before Mania. Surely she's going to win. Surely she's going to be pushed. And I love Becky, but I was I was stunned when she didn't win. And yeah, you're right about Oscar. There's a story there as well to tell. Yeah, I mean, even if you just want to, even if you just want to go into, I I don't know for sure, but I believe that Shane is bisexual. Even if you just want to promote her as that, do that. I don't understand why they haven't. Maybe Shane doesn't want it to be out there. I don't know. Um, but even so, it just I can't help but wonder: is that a part of why she hasn't been pushed? Is it? That she just doesn't fit their aesthetic. More of a Well, yeah. I mean, because clearly it's not a Hunter thing because he pushed her to the moon in NXT. I mean, she stayed champion for a long time. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Do, do you... This is something that's thrown out often, but I'll put another spin on it. Everyone always is like, can't wait till Vince is gone and Hunter takes over. So there's two two-part question on this. Like, one, do you think that will happen? Triple H takes over, things get better. And two... How much do you think that is because NXT can fly under the radar because it was just on the network? It wasn't on a TV network. You didn't have them external pressures to force him to do stuff. So do you think he'll actually be able to do what he was able to do with NXT? That makes sense? Um, I don't know if I buy into that he'll have full control like some people think he will. And the other thing is... Hunter is one of the guys. He is he is one of the guys that's only been in the WWE system for a good amount of his career. He succeeded in it. You can't think that he's going to change too much of it because you know that was this has been his thing for most of his professional career. Um, there are some things that I believe that he would change, but there are some things that I think would be absolutely the same. I mean, we can say how great NXT is, but and how much it did for women's wrestling in particular. Yeah, but still only had two black NXT champions. Um, and the, the, the gap between them is pretty large. I mean, to have, you know, Big E to be the, the second NXT champion, and then we get all the way later to get Keith Lee finally to be our second black NXT champion. And that reign was booked really terribly. I don't know. You had so many other guys that came through there. I mean, Apollo was one of them. Uh, Ricochet. Yeah. Leo on it on NXT for a long time before he was cruiserweight champion. Uh, you had several guys come through there that were not presented as well as they could have been. Um, and so I don't I, I don't want to say that I don't believe that, you know, he hasn't he has done great things in terms of representation, but I don't believe that he is necessarily the answer that people think he is. I think that he he is fine with some of the things going on in the company with the way that they are, because he hasn't tried to change him that much. 
I don't think, yeah. yeah I, he's not going to have control over it. Sweaty Shane still. <laughs> I, I just I love the idea of Vince's you know dying wish in his will don't let Shane get it get any control just keep Shane away <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I, I think the idea of Stephanie being in control is a lot more you know it, it's a lot more prevalent than people think like I think that's more plausible than people want to believe um, and I mean you know, take that if you will. We don't have a lot of, you know, women, you know, running any major wrestling promotions. You can say what you will about that, but I don't know, man. There are some things that they as a company believe in that they're just not going to stray too far away from until they get some new blood there. If it ain't broke, isn't it? Yep. The money is coming in, so. <laughs> yeah, and they got all that fat, I mean, fat peacock yeah. money now, aren't they? Yeah, I mean... I don't know, man. I think when other companies prove that certain kind of representation brings in uh, sizable income, then they'll change it. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be a kicking and screaming thing. I don't think that they're going to, you know, I don't think that they're going to do it acceptingly right away. And I mean, again, they have done some great things right now. Um, but I have just so many things that I think that they can and should be doing better. And it shouldn't have taken this long to start, you know, correcting the ship. Do, do you think the because when I got that, I literally wrote down the list of every black champion there's been since 1963. Um, do you think the Indies are ahead of all the main uh... things? Because 1963 was the first black world champion, and it wasn't until Ron Simmons in 1992 that you kind of had that I know of at least mainstream yeah. exposure. Yeah, I think, yeah, Ron's the first because he won at WCW, WCW. Bearcat writes the first ever, right? Yeah, there WWA, 1963. Um, yeah, I think in some ways uh, the Indies have been far ahead because, I mean, they crowned a, a black woman as world champion way before anybody did uh, as well, I believe, because I think uh, I think Sandy Parker won it for AJ, AJW in the 70s, I think. I think that was the 70s. And I don't think wow. Jacqueline was crowned until 1999. Wow. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I don't think uh, NWA, they crowned their first in, I believe, 2000. That was when Awesome Kong won. And then Jazz is the second. Jazz is around, that was like maybe four or five years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think in some ways uh, indie companies are ahead. And you can even look at the way that they are allowing you know, some uh, LGBTQ plus individuals to run shows and, you know, become champions. I mean, we look at stuff like uh, what Fight Club Pro is doing in uh, D.C. Um, with uh, Trisha Dora and, you know, St. Billy Dixon is champion for them. He's their um, secondary champion. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of other indie companies that are doing great things in terms of representation and they don't get as much of the, um, what do you call it? They don't get as much of the acclaim as a big company would. Yeah. Yeah, I sometimes when I look at those stats, I'm just kind of like, this is mind boggling. <laughs> like when I yeah. looked at the, Ron, yeah. at, at the Ron Killings thing, and I was like, Ron was really the first NWA champion, and that wasn't until well in the 2000s. That's crazy. That's yeah, and that, there hasn't been another one since. Knocked me for six for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of being quiet because I just sort of <laughs> yeah, he, in a little bit. Yeah, he, he was one of the ones when I was going through that list that stood out. Um, just as well because I know how he's presented in WWE. So, like, yeah. to think that he was a world champion 19 years ago, 2002. Um, <laughs> you, and I don't then... know if you guys followed that stuff, right? Did you follow the storyline when he was champion? No. What happened? Uh, they were doing this weird NASCAR angle with him. 
where they were like, "Go on." <laughs> weird. It was, I think he was feuding with Jared, right? And I think like the angle was that he was like he was doing the usual heel stick of, you know, you guys don't book, book black black champions or black wrestlers well, and he won the title, and then there was some. You know, he was going against this guy that was like a NASCAR guy. And, you know, there's all this blue collar, you know, stuff around it that was weird. It was a weird time, man. It's the strangest thing. <laughs> but, yeah, really, really weird time. I mean, shoot. I mean, really, when you think about the fact that Lashley's the first Impact World Champion. 2014. And, yeah, 2014. Wow. Yeah, and I think... Because I, I, the Duran stuff was on TNA, but it wasn't the TNA title that he won. He won the NWA champion. Um, but yeah, the fact that Lashley is the first and, you know, we're just now getting two within the last decade or so is crazy. Yeah, that's uh, an, another name that stood out. Again, I'm, li- I'm literally quoting from what I read. I don't know the person. Another name that stood out was Bob Sapp. Um, yes. Who, again, I this was from July, this article last year, so be outdated i iwgp heavyweight champion 2004 and <laughs> apparently is the only african descendant to hold that belt in japan he's only only black iwgp champion and he was crowned like in the middle like i don't know how much you guys know about new japan and like their history <laughs> like antonio noki is like the guy when it comes to new japan he's like the legend and he's like the at one point he was head of the company he is like the one of the most known IWGP champions. And at one point he was doing what WWE is doing right now and courting a lot of the shoot fighters, MMA fighters and going, this is going to be the thing that sets us apart is going and getting MMA fighters and bringing them in. And, you know, and it was kind of called, you know, after the fact, it's kind of called Enochism. So Enoki <laughs> was booking all of these MMA fighters for a long time. One of those guys was Sap. Sap was a kickboxer. Um, if you if you're listening to this thing and you don't know of Bob Sapp from any of the wrestling stuff or the kickboxing, uh, he was in a bunch of movies. He was in The Longest Yard. Um, oh, okay. yeah, yes. he was. He was uh, yeah, he was a character in The Longest Yard. Broke it my nose. That was him. Um, but he is the first and only IWGP champion. Um, there's been other guys that have gone through there. There are other guys that wanted to be like their representation in Japan. It just hasn't quite happened. I think that's a big reason why Leo wants to go over there and be the first IWGP junior heavyweight champion. Um, ACH is another guy that wants to work with them a lot. He's said before he wants to be the first uh, IWGP junior heavyweight champion as well. The only other title that has some lineage to it, of course, is MVP is the inaugural IWGP intercontinental champion. Yeah. Um, just to let you know, I found the um, the FMW no rope electrified barbed wire swimming pool dynamite <laughs> double hell death match, <laughs> which has to be the longest title of anything I've ever read ever. Uh, I'll take up your screen just writing that graphic up. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, they're, they're in a little dinghy being um, <laughs> being ferried towards the ring. So that do you say MVP was in uh, again? I, I really don't know New Japan. So MVP was in. Yeah, he was the inaugural uh, IWGP Intercontinental Champion. This is before, you know, Nakamura won the belt or Naito and all of those guys made the belt what it was. It was before it became the white strap. It had the black strap at first. Uh, He was the first. He won a tournament. Um, I think he beat Naito in that tournament. And I think he beat Yano in the finals to become the champion. Um, But yeah, during that time, he was in the... 
he was in the World Tag League with New Japan. Um, his his uh, tag team partner was Sheldon. They had a tag team called Black okay. Dynamite. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there have been guys that have gone over to New Japan that have had some success, but, you know, there have never been anybody that really had, like, a long stint with them. And, I mean, Shelton had, like, a stretch, stretch with there where he was with the... He was in uh he was in Suzuki stable um Suzuki Gun. I need to I need to get my New Japan knowledge back. <laughs> we've, yeah. we've we've been introduced this year and we're like, what is this world? <laughs> we love it there's and a, we need to get engrossed in this. There's just world. a lot of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's got a rich and varied history. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's one of those things where when MVP first came back, um, as someone who really loves New Japan, I was like, man. MVP is a legend, man. Just the things he's done in this industry, just going over to Japan and having success in Japan and, you know, everything he did with the United States Championship with WWE, he's had a great career. Um, And to be a part of the Hurt Business stuff is just really cool to see, Um, just to have that juxtaposition of him being in a bar watching Kofi win and then, you know, two years later, handing Bobby the title. It's beautiful. I agree. I like the there's a video backstage of them after Bobby had won, and you I like that you could tell it was obviously they were filming it for the network and that, but it was you could tell what it meant to the four of them at that point. Yeah, so. um, there's a there's a point where Bobby won, and you could tell he's trying to stay in character and he's going to lift the title, and you could see he's getting like overwhelmed. He's trying not to choke up. All that stuff is cool. Yeah, well, there there were rumors that um, that Vince may have a heart that he did the lumberjack so that there was actually people out there to react to him. Hmm, I didn't know that. That. And when I thought, when I think back to the Christmas SmackDown, they did the same with Biggie when he won the Intercontinental. And the idea was, there's no crowds there. You've got this piped-in noise. We want your actual peers to be out there to celebrate with you, um, which I thought was nice. <laughs> Vince that, maybe yeah. does have a tiny heart. Nice times when he wants. Yeah, his, his heart grew three sizes that day. Size <laughs> <laughs> of a walnut. Yeah. But no. Uh, yeah, but Sheldon's the same way. I I would say Sheldon has. I mean. He had a decent run with New Japan. I mean, he had a decent enough run with Ring of Honor. He's just one of those guys. I thought he should have been world champion. When he was white hot and he had the feud with uh, Triple H, like right when he was like, when he came to Raw and he was super over, I thought he should have been champion. Yeah, he's supremely talented. (laughs) Again, obviously appreciated by the fans as well. And he never got that. No, I was just thinking like, because I, you know, I am one of those guys that gets online and debates for Sheldon a lot. Um, before Kofi won, I was a big debater for Kofi. I was pushing, Kofi's got to win. He's the guy. If you want to make anybody WWE champion that is African-American, it's Kofi. And before that, you know, I was pushing hard for Sheldon. And one of the things I argued with this guy, because he was like, but the fans never got into Sheldon. I was like, Sheldon won the chance to get the Intercontinental Championship match because the fans wanted it. That match happened at Taboo Tuesday because the fans voted for it. So you can't say that the fans didn't love him. They did. <laughs> Taboo Tuesday. I forgot about them voting. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the monster. Did he train with Brock? Did he help? Yeah, he trained with, with Brock. Yeah. He was a part of that uh he's a part of that uh OVW class with uh Brock and Randy and Cena and who else is in it? Uh Batista. Yeah. We were watching a documentary on him and he's well, if you say their names and look at what they all achieved. The only guy out of those five that didn't win a world championship. <laughs> Speaks for itself there, doesn't it? No, I've um, I gotta say I've I've really enjoyed this chat, this open talk yeah, about this. Um, Obviously, amount of stuff that I don't know. No, no, yeah, no, and appreciate your input on it, Phil. I mean, we we were quite nervous going into it because it's a it's a topic that we're 
passionate about and representation in general, just not just wrestling, just in general. And I talked before about how wrestling is compared to society and is it willing to go ahead of the curve? And it's it's an important topic to us. And we were, we were quite nervous going into this pod, I'll say. <laughs> It's a difficult yeah, thing to talk I, I mean, about. I think I think the thing is definitely I've seen as a writer in our industry and just somebody that does do podcasts and stuff. I I have been saying for quite a while that a lot of these media companies need to hire more white black writers as well. I don't think this is just a wrestling thing. I think there needs to be more black people that cover wrestling. I just think we we you need and that's not just black people. I just think you need more women that cover wrestling as well. Uh, you need you just need more voices out there than the same people telling you what they like and what they want to see. I mean, otherwise, you don't know what is what else is going on out there. We just need more perspective. Yep. Yep. More variety. Yep. Like I said before, more variety is the best thing. It was just slightly daunting of like three white guys <laughs> sitting here talking about diversity. See, but, you know, I mean, it's yeah. Uh... <laughs> like when, we, when we did the women's one, we was like trying to empathize with like, what it must have felt like for the women were like we also understand yeah. <laughs> you can until you're four, in that position four blokes sitting there going well it's good that they tried yeah <laughs> <sighs> yeah i mean i totally understand that i wrote for uh i wrote for diva dirt before i started at other places and it's a women's wrestling site and so i get it you know i also i would be definitely writing things like this is my opinion as a man but this is how i feel about it but you know you also that's why you also have to you know push women's voices forward as well and it just, you know, try to um, refer back to stuff that women have said about things. Yeah, that's a nice, nice way to end it on there. So thanks so much for joining us today, Phil, today, tonight. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, hope you've been... Hope you enjoyed being with us for today as our first special guest that we've ever had. <laughs> I can send you the link through for that death match if you want. Just, Joe, Joe, the world, the world needs to see that. Just bang that on Twitter. Just oh. put, the, put the link on Twitter for everyone to see. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we need to see this link. Like, I, I'm not even sure how that's possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks everyone for listening, and I hope I, I was talking to some people that. It was quite. It was quite weird, actually. So I'm, I mentioned before, I'm a teacher, and we we've been doing CPD uh, like training recently about inclusivity of language at school. Um, and this this week's was very reminiscent to some of the stuff we've talked about today. And I was remember I was talking to some staff, and I was saying I'm really nervous actually about this pod. And one of them said, "If well, if if people aren't willing to have the conversation, uh, nothing will change. You know, people need to be." Not that we're like the most listened to podcast in the world, but <laughs> people people need to have the conversation that, that we've had here today. And that, thankfully, it seems more people are having nowadays. Yeah. I might be wrong there, but it seems more people are having these days. And that's why I've enjoyed this podcast. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks. And I hope listeners have felt the same. Yeah, thank you very much for this eye-opening and genuinely, really, at times. <laughs> <laughs> I've, yeah. I've learned a lot. Thank you. And uh, goodbye. Thanks for listening.